I don't know what we need, y'all. What do we? I think we need a new leader. We didn't have a black leader in a while, in a long time. Somebody that moves you. You know, we you know we had Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and ever since then a bunch of substitute teachers. School systems around the country continue to face teacher shortages, but the most pressing appears to be a lack of substitute teachers. In Illinois, districts are holding one-day training sessions to get substitutes in the classroom as soon as possible. From member station WNIJ in DeKalb, Peter Med- Peter Medlin reports. Some schools are so desperate for substitutes, they've tried recruiting parents. Others have asked local police officers and firefighters to come into the classroom. In New Mexico, they've even called in the National Guard. In Illinois, a short-term substitute license was created in direct response to the shortage. It allows potential teachers who only have an associate degree or 60 hours of college credit to become substitutes in public schools. Mark Kleisner heads the group West 40, a service center for dozens of school districts near Chicago. He says the short-term option is a lifeline because the shortage in this state is worse than ever. I'm hearing social workers covering English classes. You know, it's like we're not serving our kids well, and we don't really have a choice. Our data point this year was over 2,000 educator openings were either unfilled or they were filled by someone not qualified. Sonia Spalding is a professional learning specialist at West 40. She's trying to address the shortage by offering prospective substitutes an online crash course in teaching before they step into the classroom. We are here to provide you the state-approved short-term substitute training. I'm sort of the captain of today's ship, and I've got a wonderful crew that's going to help you get in the air and land to your prospective locations. We've got this recent Zoom call is filling up with dozens of faces as Spalding gets started. Some people watch on their phones while walking down hallways at work. Many have experience working with kids. Others just need work. Depending on the school, the pay can range from $100 to over $200 a day. With the program, substitutes pay $50 to get their license, take the training, get a background check, and can be in the classroom the very next day. It's a quick turnaround, but there's a high level of confidence that these are people who have a connection with the community and they really want to step up and support the students in this time. Nicole Mister is one of the hundreds of new short-term substitutes they've already trained this year. Like most, she's interested in teaching because of her connection to education. She has kids in school and works at an education nonprofit. She says while her first day subbing was difficult, the one-day training actually did help her in the classroom. It was nerve-wracking, but Dr. Spalding was able to really give us some great pointers. She really just told us to, you know, go in with an open mind, and she gave us so many resources online, so it was really able to help. But some worry about lowering the barrier to get into the classroom. Desiree Carver-Thomas is a researcher and policy analyst at the Learning Policy Institute. It's certainly a huge concern, especially when you hear stories of students who've had, you know, a rotating cast of substitute teachers all year in their math class, it begs the question of, you know, how much learning can really happen when the person in the classroom, you know, may not have subject matter competency. But she says in many states, substitutes aren't required to do any training at all. So anything is a positive. And when so many schools can't find any subs, it's better than canceling classes. But she and others say the long-term solution to the substitute teacher shortage isn't only about substitutes. It's about hiring enough credentialed teachers to fully staff classrooms. For NPR News, I'm Peter Medlin. I be seeing people out here, you know, usually you just put it in there and you just, you know, chill out for a few minutes and then it let us do its thing. But when you're broke, 
You can't do all that. You got to be watching this motherfucker because, you know, you got to pull it at the right time. Yep, that's it. We good. You're going to get to the crib. Consider it poor timing. Gas prices have spiked just as two years of working from home are coming to an end for many Americans, which means commuting back to work might cost more. NPR's Andrea Shu has more. It's five o'clock on a weeknight, and this Shell station in Washington, D.C. is a traffic jam. Cars lined up for gas, drivers impatient to get where they're going. The price here? $4.15 a gallon for regular, a dime less if you pay cash. It went from being about $35 to fill up my tank, and now it's $45. Stephanie Nguyen works in Baltimore. She's an attorney. She took the job in the pandemic and had been fully remote until two weeks ago. Now her commute is about an hour door to door. Yeah, it's a pain. I used to only have to get gas maybe once a month, and now I have to get gas every week. I try to ask her how it's going, if she's happy finally being in the office. Yes, um, but I think I'm pissing off. The guy behind her who wants to get to the pump. Law firms, tech companies, financial institutions, they're all moving forward with their return to office plans. I got in touch with big corporations like Wells Fargo, Ford, and Microsoft. They haven't changed their plans based on gas prices. President Biden has made going back a national priority, mentioning it in the State of the Union. It's time for America to get back to work and fill our great downtowns again with people. People working from home can feel safe and begin to return to their offices. But amid sky-high gas prices, people are asking, really? Now? Twitter is flooded with comments. We can't afford to drive there, Joe, wrote one user. Yeah, when gas comes back down, buddy, wrote another. According to AAA, average gas prices in the U.S. have topped $4.30 a gallon this week, up 40 cents from last week, and double what it was in March 2020 when prices plummeted and a lot of workers got to ditch their commutes. I had about an hour uh, commute one way. Matthew Mashani of Charlotte, North Carolina, says he never wants to do that again. He worked from home in the pandemic as a business analyst in the IT sector until he got laid off a couple weeks ago. Now, as he looks for a new job, he's not even considering going into an office every day. My goal is to be fully remote. For this father of two young children and the sole breadwinner for his family, $4 gas just cemented that. I feel everything going up, right? You know, you go to the grocery store, costs are all up. Gas is just one of those many things, and it's another <laughs> another straw on the camel's back. In New Braunfels, Texas, Greg Perkins has been worried about his employees. He's the owner of Oak Ridge Bellows. They manufacture metal joints for all kinds of pipes, like those used in power plants. I'm looking up, and I'm seeing the gas prices as I'm driving down the road, and uh, most people, they can't absorb unexpected costs like that. So he decided to give his two dozen or so workers, who have no choice but to come on site, $50 gas cards. And he thinks other companies should be doing the same right now. This really doesn't hit your bottom line like you think it would. If you do it right, it is a morale boost and that more than compensates. Back at the Shell station in D.C., Fran Alfonso, a grad student in psychology, has just filled up her tank. 37.11. More than I'm used to. But she considers herself lucky. The psychology clinic where she's working only requires her to be in person one day a week. Other days, she can do telehealth. I'm just trying to do 
my best to not have to drive as much. So it's definitely made an impact, but I'm trying to keep positive. <laughs> Hopeful words from a psychologist in these trying times. Andrea Shu, NPR News. Welcome to the HBR IdeaCast from Harvard Business Review. I'm Allison Beard. Over the past few years in the United States, we've seen some horrific examples of racism directed at Black Americans, Latinos, Asians, Jewish people, and those of Arab descent. We've heard anti-immigrant slurs, seen people of color attacked, and if we could stomach it, watched the murders of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery. Amid all these tragedies and the public protests that followed, many U.S. business leaders promised they would do their part to fight the problem. They committed to making their workplaces more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. They came out strong. But for the past year and a half, they've been struggling with the hard part, putting their words into action, actually seizing this window of opportunity to make lasting change. Our guests today are here to help. James White is the former chair, president, and CEO of Jamba Juice, drawing on his experiences turning that company into one that delivered on DEI and his conversations and work with other executives doing the same. He and his daughter, Krista White, wrote the book, Anti-Racist Leadership, How to Transform Corporate Culture in a Race-Conscious World. They also wrote the related HBR article, How to Build an Anti-Racist Company. James and Krista, thank you so much for being on the show. We're thrilled to be on with you today. Thank you for having us. As Black Americans yourselves, this is obviously a pretty personal issue for you. I know this might be opening a huge can of worms right at the start, but could you first tell me a little bit about your own lives and career experiences and how they've shaped your thinking on these issues? James, let's start with you. I'd make a couple comments. As a, a black executive, first member of my family to uh, graduate from college, the events of 2020 and the global racial reckoning really brought to the fore the need for uh, significant work that is yet to be done. I've been blessed and very successful throughout my career. But my first assignment in sales with the Coca-Cola company we had to remove uh, from my selling territory the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan in Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. So there are not many white colleagues that have that challenge as a first-generation graduate from college, first professional job. So that's just a challenge. And I think this is where we would love for all leaders to have uh, much greater empathy. I also feel that the 2020 situation was a huge moment of a lot of things coming to a head for me between the racial reckoning that dad mentioned and the pandemic that we've seen have a disproportionate effect on people of color has brought things to light for me after, you know, just my own experiences living as a black woman facing microaggressions having people ask if they could touch my hair. <laughs> mm. There's certain challenges that you experience. I spend a lot of time in predominantly white spaces, so you feel othered. Those microaggressions, they add up. And there's some of them are macroaggressions. Uh, 
And also, there have been times in my work experience where I've observed, and you know, you you question whether this is racial or not. You second guess yourself, but you've seen I've seen white colleagues be promoted with less experience than me, things like that. And one of the other things that we talk about is the requirement for black executives to need to prove it again and prove it again. One of the uh, stories that we talk about is the fact that I've never across a, a really a long and successful career been promoted on the basis of potential. Hmm. And I shared this story with a thousand people at one of the, at a, at a company town hall, uh, Medallia, the CEO had me in to address the group. And this was post the murder of George Floyd. And I made the comment around never being promoted on potential. And I could see the CEO rock back in his chair. And he said, you know what? We've got black medallions sitting in this audience. We probably, they don't even realize the potential that they have. And we probably should be thinking about opportunities for them to play different roles inside the company. Yeah. And so that's a perfect transition. You know, this problem plays out at the personal individual level, but the solutions don't happen there. They happen at the organizational level. So I'd love to talk about your time at Jamba Juice, James. You know, in broad strokes, what was the company like when you arrived and how did you change it to make it a more welcoming place for people of color, LGBTQ employees. The gay rights movement is changing everything. You know, a, a more inclusive organization. I think the foundational strength of Jamba is that it would have been, you know, more inclusive from the start than most other companies. The founder of the company, Kirk Perrin, was a gay man. The foundation to be a really inclusive uh, company was always there. The values uh, and purpose of the company were very consistent with my own, but the focus that we brought over the course of the time that I was at the helm of uh, Jamba was to uh, add significantly more diversity of all kinds uh, into the leadership level. Uh, the one place the Jamba was not diverse was in the boardroom, and we added more diversity uh, into the uh, boardroom and then at all levels inside the company. One of the things that you'll find in corporations and some companies, especially in an industry uh, like the restaurant industry, are incredibly diverse on the front line. But as people migrate uh, across their careers, you'll see little or no diversity uh, in the leadership ranks. And Krista, after your dad stepped down, why did you two want to come together to write this playbook for other companies in particular, you know, what perspective did you want to bring to the table? Yeah, so we had started working together on some consulting projects. And the more we were learning, the more we realized how much there was to share in that dad had this extremely um, unique perspective as someone who had been a black operating executive um, versus the usual perspective is from DEI leaders and HR folks. And my perspective in the book is one that is very, uh, it's informed by my experiences as a millennial, I'd say, and someone who's not necessarily in the corporate world, but someone who is very uh, passionate about social justice and um, in naming the 
things that we really have to reckon with of white supremacy, of um, the systemic nature of racism in this country and within a lot of corporations. So pushing the book forward in that way and naming anti-racism was really important to me. So this term anti-racist has really come to the fore over the past couple of years. Krista, how do you define anti-racist leadership? Yeah, I'd say that anti-racist leaders are really committed to looking at these systemic things within their company, uh, looking at the processes and looking at the rituals. They move beyond lip service. A lot of people have put out uh, Black Lives Matter statements and anti-racist statements for their companies, but who is actually taking action, who is holding their um, top leaders accountable, who is being really honest about where they stand currently, because everyone has somewhere to go in terms of anti-racism. They understand that it is an ongoing journey. It's a moving target. We are constantly evolving and learning. And an anti-racist leader is open to learning and acknowledging what they don't know. They recognize the implicit humanity in people and lead with empathy. And they're also, you know, surrounding themselves with great people who they can learn from and learn with and collaborate with. And they are also open to listening to uh, their, their team from the top down. Everyone within the company um, has the ability to have a voice. There's formalized opportunities to speak to the top, such as town halls and one-on-ones with leaders. They're just really committed to this multi-year journey. Mm. And James, why is it so important for all leaders, you know, from the top to the team manager, not just the HR department, to lead this charge? I think the, the, the critical thing that we wanted to bring is really not the, the micro, but we wanted to step back and think about the, the systems and the institutions and how we make sustainable change and sustainable uh, progress around this work and to the point that Krista mentioned, the systems and processes that are biased need to be retooled, reworked. And from a leadership perspective, uh, we've got a, a number of beliefs. One, the CEO has to lead this work. She can't delegate it because this work is inextricably linked to culture and values of the company and that you never delegate. It's important that the HR and the chief diversity officers are connected to the work where there's a chief diversity officer present. But the most important uh, segment of the organization and population that we focus on in the book is the middle management. Most of us experience our own, all of our work experiences with the middle managers, uh, which is the place where most of the people report. So your experience with an organization is at that middle management level. And we believe you you need to bring process and tools and policies and incentives that enable that middle management group to really you know, change the organization to create more inclusive workspaces that allow us all to bring our full selves to, uh, to, to work. 
And so you have seven steps for making this happen. Uh, we just talked about enlisting the support of senior executives. Then it's, I'm going to go through them quickly for our audience. It's audit the culture, document what's already happening with DEI, find ways to measure progress, form action learning teams, and develop and communicate a plan. So let's dig into some of those in more detail. Krista, what do you mean by audit the culture? Yeah, so you want to really dig into those, all the different processes that touch culture. So it's important to uh, look at the HR systems and see where there are gaps, see where there's bias. It also means looking at your digging into your data and looking at, say, what, what are the real numbers of diversity within your company? What's the representation of different people? And also disaggregating that data so you know, for example, how many women of color you might have at different levels. Um, and just really having an in-depth look at those numbers, as well as looking at employee survey data by uh, different populations to see what experiences your employees are having and if it changes based on race or gender or other um, identity categories. Because it seems so easy to fall back on things like the number of people of color hired and then at a certain level of management, but to not think about how things actually feel on the ground at the organization. How do you figure out which metrics are the most important? Like, what are the areas in which you think it's most important to document where you are now and ensure that you're making progress? It's going to be situational. Every organization is going to be different. And one of the ways that I talk about it is I think organizations need to start where, where they are. You do it in the context or with the filter of what are the company's values and mission. This is going to be, as Krista mentioned, a multi-year journey. And the most important thing is that we start. And Krista, what are action learning teams and how do they inform the plan? Sure. So action learning teams are cross-functional teams uh, that bring together folks that may or may not have worked together before to tackle business issues and solve problems. It's a way that people can be brought together that aren't usually in the groups of folks who get to do these more high-profile assignments. It's one way that you can identify these high-potential people who might be in marginalized groups or might not just be the traditional cookie cutter fit of what your company has been um, promoting. One example we use in the book is uh, using uh, action learning teams to bring more Jamba Juices into uh, airports. Um, they brought together people from different departments and you give them a, a time frame. And it's these small groups of people that really are able to ideate and uh, innovate together. We view action learning as a, uh, really a, a tool or a technology uh, that I've seen used effectively across my own career. And the suggestion that we make is as you bring uh, people from inside the company 
that typically don't get get to work on the organization level problems, you know, like culture, like diversity, equity, and inclusion, like building an approach for anti-racist leadership inside the company. And the formation or composition of that team should be cross-functional uh, and should be representative of the diversity uh, in, in the company. And you start to bring different voices into the company and have them focus on solving uh, the critical challenges of the organization. And so we've all seen this happen. You have a task force like that, an action learning team. They come up with a plan, they make recommendations, and then nothing happens. So how do you make sure that all of this work amounts to something? You know, it's one of these moments when people really are mobilizing around this issue of anti-racism. So how do we keep the momentum? Yeah, so this wouldn't be work. This this work is not delegated. This this work would be elevated to the C-suite. And I've got several examples in the book. Uh, Snook Supermarkets would be uh, one of the fantastic examples. The CEO, Todd Snook, there over the last two years uh, has been, you know, personally involved on a weekly basis with his chief people officer, uh, head of diversity, and a line leader. And then on a monthly basis, I actually joined the discussion with that group. And we've been doing that for almost two years. And that's the kind of leadership uh, in this moment that I think we need to see. And you see really real progress everywhere in an organization uh, like that one uh, where the CEO is committed. And uh, we, we talk about one of the things that uh, the team at Snooks did last year to really uh, really kind of bring uh, their learning and work together. They, in their supermarkets, had their employees to wear these T-shirts that says, unity is power, we stand against racism. And that was really a bold move. Uh, Snook Supermarkets is in St. Louis, Missouri. And if you just think about the, the makeup and composition of where their stores exist, this is the kind of value, purpose-driven leadership that we're you know, advocating uh, for in the book. And I couldn't be more proud to have uh, had a small part and work with that team. Krista, how do you see the younger generation in particular making sure that there is real permanent change on these issues and holding senior leaders to account? Sure. You know, I think we're seeing it. Um, it this is one of the reasons behind this great resignation that we're seeing is People are no longer um, accepting uh, companies that don't align with their values. So I think that's one way we're holding um, senior leadership accountable for their actions is by just, we're not going to work here anymore. Being <laughs> very uh, intentional about, you know, these days people are very like uh, intentional around keeping receipts. <laughs> so keeping the screenshots of the um of the email exchanges you might have with people or the slacks. People right. are I think one tool that has been can be uh have its problems but has been very useful for people in my generation is social media um and the ability to really be transparent Whereas people in previous generations, A, didn't have those tools, but I think were just more likely to keep things close to the vest. 
But I think the social aspect of being able to band together and get support that way is something that has been really powerful. And it's really changed the nature of the uh, job of the chief executive. I've commented recently uh, to groups, uh, social issues a decade ago, even six years ago, were ones that CEOs could opt in or out of with the big push around ESG, environmental, social governance related issues, especially the S. But critically important is our employees, uh, our consumers are holding uh, companies to account as never before. It's just a critical, critical issue. And as we think about the future of work, we think this whole idea around anti-racist leadership and more inclusive leadership is going to be a core capability. You know, my generation of leaders wouldn't have studied this in business school, but there's starting to emerge more work where this next generation of leaders are going to be exposed to the to these kinds of concepts. And I think the leaders that are going to be the most effective are going to be the most proficient at this skill set. So we've talked about um, some success stories, but as you see people working on this, what are some of the biggest challenges that they're running up against? I think the challenges uh, sit in places where there is really not the, the leadership at the top of the organization. Again, if you look at 2020 as a moment in time, there were hundreds of statements from companies. There's a lot of distance between the, the commitments and what really has happened on the ground. I think the places where there is more progress and you know significant momentum forward are the places where there is solid leadership from the CEO and significant work around process and systems and there's action plans and there's reporting and there's transparency where people just drop in incremental training on an individual basis those end up being just events and um, really very little progress is made and then there needs to be real change in terms of representation Uh, an example we give in the book is at medallia the ceo leslie stretch and his leadership team made a commitment to change the representation uh, of Blacks at Medallia. It stood at 1% in 2020, and they had a commitment over four years to take that uh, percentage of representation to 13%. That's a big jump in four years. And they incentivized themselves. Uh, they put 100% of their equity compensation at risk for that leadership team. Uh, so over the course of the first two years, they moved from 1% to 7%, and this is in the technology space. And I think this, you know, really proves the a couple of points. One, the CEO and the management team were committed. Two, they put their own, you know, financial gain at risk around this work. And three, that if we if we focus on this as a priority, like we do everything else in business, we can move the needle. And I'd love to see more companies take that kind of commitment context of white supremacy white guests only gusty renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date friday march 18 2022 so i have been told this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism hopefully 
We can help solve problems without creating new problems. Use counter racist logic to make sense of the foolishness happening in the workplace. I think all of the la- it is uh, warming up. I decided, oh, I can sit outside today because it's like spring and they move the clocks back. So it's sunny in spring and all of that. But that does mean people have been out with their noise and super loud sounds and all the rest of it. Anywho, neutralizing workplace racism. Uh, We will get down to business. The email is until justice at gmail.com. The number is seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound Press star six one if you would like to participate. This broadcast not for spectators, uh, especially if you are a black person, non-white person, and you have figured out do a few things here, few things there. You can avoid some of these problems. Uh, if hey, you want to continue working from home, you don't have to worry about how much it costs to fill up your vehicle. Stay at home for the rest of the month. Next two months, in fact. You figured out how to do that. You get sparkling performance reviews every time. You get all of your raises, all of your year end bonuses. Everyone, all of your co workers, has nothing but rave reviews about your performance, conduct, professionalism. Please share with us how did you accomplish this? We would like to emulate some of your wonders in the workplace. See if we can get some of that enjoyment and a few extra nickels that come along with all those rave reviews. Before we get to some of the folks who called in, emailed in uh, some of the audio segments that we heard really quick. Uh, for one, uh, the gas and the cost, like, wow, depending on where you are, like they're talking in some areas, it could hit as high as seven dollars. Uh, per gallon Uh, and they're talking about now like everybody needs to get back to work and all the rest of it like wow I would be taking advantage work from home save a few nickels uh, on having to do all that driving in here and all the rest of it at least see if you can maybe carpool if there's some other non-white people I think some people even said that they had worked out some uh, codification so that they can carpool with a white person but that white person, if the white person is driving, they allow that white person to drop them off someplace other than their residence. That way, that white person doesn't know exactly where they live. I thought that was really clever uh, and important. Try to minimize people having your exact address as best you can. Uh, if you're driving, I think folks just, you know, really talking about them uh touching clamoring all over your vehicle that's definitely one if you have two vehicles i would not do the carpool in the lamborghini like get the backup vehicle you do not want <gasps> what that and then keeping their hands to themselves with everything that's happening now i know some people said that they did have concerns about you know someone a white person or even a non-white coworker being all up in their personal space like that so understood uh, let's see um, the segment on substitute teachers I included the critical race theorist of our time or any time for that matter the great Chris Rock 
Uh, but I almost went back for a few weeks back. I think it was Z's mom and a uh, mail caller. They were talking about, uh, I think the mail caller said that he saw commercials on television for substitute teachers. And he said that this was stunning to him because he'd never seen that before. And I said, hey, they got shortages of all types uh, all across the U.S. They've been saying uh, and teachers, period, regular full time staff and then or all kinds of educators and staff that you need for school. And then specifically uh, substitute teachers. They've been saying they've not you know, been able to get those uh, uh, male and female educators back uh, since the whole Rona shut down a lot of schools and all the rest of it. And now some people may not necessarily want to go back to that job and all that uh, within that segment. Uh, I said, man, uh, we have folks who work in the school system or around or aspire to be educators. Uh, I was thinking like Bay Area mom and some other folks. This would be a great time for Bay Area mom. Take the C best uh, like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm sure you're school is probably short for for staff and educators as well if you have not already i would go ahead and take the cbest uh that way hey i'm an even more valuable asset for a raise uh and potential uh potential teaching opportunities uh make me a long-term full-time super benefit employee uh in the school system so yeah i would encourage anyone if you uh are thinking about that or or thinking about switching careers and like hmm, I might you know be interested in having a side gig or what have you you heard, you heard in the report they said depending on which school you're at could be $100 a day could be $200 a day Uber DoorDash some of the other things that you could do in gig economy uh, you don't have to spend all that overhead on gas right just go into the building and teach might be something to think about see best isn't too hard you just have to figure out when to take it take it online might be something to think about for uh, folks out there and just from the other component again when you play around with sex the joke is on the offspring now certainly it's difficult to plan out like that there's going to be a global health crisis that will last two plus years it's hard to kind of plan for that type of thing yet and still I mean hey as a parent now what do I think of the quality of education that my child is getting? Not to mention we've had Zoom this and we're going to school. Oh, we're not going to school. And you got to put a mask on. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, yes, you do. And maybe we got to be vaccine and maybe we don't. And we're going on strike and all the rest of this. And then on top of that, oh, we got to burn these books. And give me that hate you give. Give me that. Got to burn this. And then. Oh, my goodness. We don't even have substitute teachers. My goodness. What are we going to do? talking about canceling school in some places because they didn't have enough uh, staff now that's I mean for reals and this has stretched out into two years what sort of impact does that have on your child their zest for knowledge the final segment that was from uh, Harvard Business Review their podcast HBR cast uh, it featured victim of white supremacy, James White, and his daughter, Krista, uh, both black, uh, black male, black female. Uh, they co-authored the book, Anti-Racist Leadership, How to Transform Corporate Culture into a Race-Conscious World. I don't really know what that means, a race-conscious world. It almost, to me, suggests that individuals classified as white in the corporate culture that they don't pay attention to race and that can't be true at all 
at all. You can't sit around and be Tesla and be accused of having all kinds of racist jokes and uh, nooses and all the rest of it and say that you are not conscious of racism, white supremacy. Anywho, uh, I have not read the book. Feel free. I posted links so folks can check it out. If anyone has read it, it says, hmm, this has constructive information for victims of racism, although it doesn't seem like that's the purpose. It seems like this is a book that is geared towards white people and things that they can do to change their business or corporation if they want to allege to be against racism, white supremacy. There's a lot of jargon, rhetoric, diversity, inclusion, race conscious, just lots of jargon, rhetoric, the rhetoric that white people are comfortable using to sound like we're going to solve this problem. I submit uh, individuals classified as white. They do not need anti-racist leadership, how to transform cor corporate culture in a race conscious world. They don't need a hot off the presses copy of this book to oh this is what we need to do I'd never I don't think that's the case they could solve this problem they just don't want to I could be totally in error and I'll make sure Mr. White like hey former uh, executive at Jamba Juice I'm sure his bank account looks way better than Gus T his career portfolio he gets invited to Harvard Business Review with his daughter to talk about his views on white supremacy racism and his daughter said white supremacy in the report you just heard it so hey what more can you ask uh, I submit uh, I do not think it is an accident so they bring him on they want to talk about inclusion diversity anti-racism and he says that he thought about it that he'd never been promoted based on potential in his career and he said that some of the CEOs and executives he's given this talk they kind of lean back in their chair now again I don't think white people are shocked about this I think white people see black people who are very talented hardworking, show up on time extra qualified and they practice racism they're not ignorant or unaware when it comes to promoting and raises and all of that that's not the case at all we're not being truthful about this here and particularly in 2022 to be talking like white people they needed old George Floyd to die to wake up to what was really going on really uh, when it, and then it went from that not being promoted based on potential to well let's hear about your experience at Jamba Juice and that's so interesting because that's the first example that they go to it wasn't the other example where they talked about Medina and the corporation where they were going to hire black people they start with let's go to Jamba Juice with a white gay man who runs the corporation so yes yes the foundation was there for inclusion diversity the corporate board was not very diverse so we made it different now, they didn't even go into any details there they just said that they made it diverse that can mean a whole lot of things especially in that context so does that mean that you added a bunch of transgender people 
Does that mean that you added a bunch of white women? Does that mean that you added a lot of non-white, non-black individuals? Does that mean that you added individuals with disabilities? Does that mean that you added a bunch of elderly staff? I mean, that could mean a whole lot. That's purposely vague. So vague that it ends up being meaningless, really, because we started out talking about anti-racist. Now we pivoted out of that. It could be women because they said gender. So now did that just mean that you added a bunch of older white women to the board? We didn't get any details. Then they went from there. And in fact, when the white woman from HBR cast, she said, what was the playbook that you all wrote for companies? Why did you write this playbook for companies? I thought that was significant word choice. She didn't say, why did you write this code? Why did you offer these suggestions? Why did you produce these potential remedies? Many different ways that could be said, but a playbook, that's like we're going out to play football, basketball. That's the way that I think of you, Negros. Just some sort of game. That's what you all do. Maybe this is a game even here, having this whole conversation to make it seem like we're working against racism when we're not. I don't mean uh, Mr. White and his daughter. I mean the white people at HBR cast at all. Playbook, she said, uh, and the gay people. Uh, and then when his daughter spoke, just the, the jargon and the rhetoric continued. Uh, they said they wanted companies to know that this is an ongoing journey. It's a moving target. We're learning what they don't know. Again, white people are not, cannot be ignorant about white supremacy, racism moving to I have no idea like what you're even talking about like again this problem could be solved today remember we just heard a couple weeks back they said hey all we need is salary transparency and with regards to women especially white women the pay gap would be corrected overnight they didn't say this is a moving target and this is an ongoing journey and you know it'll take you overnight why is this a moving target when it comes to hiring negras deliberately rhetorical question is because white people are not ignorant you can't learn when you're pretending that you don't know uh, let's see and I thought it was important too now they went through it was just more jargon. She said, what are some of the things that you all suggest? Town hall meetings. You audit the culture. You have action learning teams. Uh, I'm going to victims guaranteed qualified. This sounds like a work environment that would make me nauseous. There's no work environment that I've ever participated in where if they had town hall meetings, I would feel excited. Oh, yeah, we're having a town hall meeting. We get to go and share our views, discuss our concerns with the boss what or we're going to have action learning teams whatever that means we're going to audit the culture 
we can make an assessment, get numbers. And she said specifically, we can find out how many women of color. How interesting. Didn't say how many black males. Didn't say how many black people. How many women of color. Hmm. Anywho, uh, again, the book Anti-Racist Leadership, How to Transform Corporate Culture in a Race-Conscious World. Mr. James White, if you want to check it out, feel free. Uh, White guests only at the cows. Dr. Gerald Horn should be with us at the end of this month. After that, no exceptions for the remainder of the year. White guests only. Uh, I will share one of the emails and then we'll get to the folks who called in. Uh, So our first email from last week, uh, we had a female victim of white supremacy. She dialed in. She was talking about her white female boss who really prying lots of questions told her not to use her brain computer right don't do a whole lot of thinking I said that now she is scheduling 30 minute conversations between she and this victim once a week uh, where they're supposed to talk about non-work related things Uh, and so she called in last week she was asking us like tips how best to manage all of this would it be better to lie you know just kind of make up some details about the family life and what you all are doing to just kind of get through these sessions uh, or would it be better to just you know I don't really want to talk about all this let's just keep it business and all the rest of it uh, we talked about that last week we had one person who uh, wrote in with her perspective she writes hi Gus for the female that emailed you last week I currently have a similar situation where I meet with my supervisor every two weeks for 30 minutes. I come in prepared for the meeting with a list of reports. I ask her for help with solving these reports. I would suggest that she go in prepared for her to solve her problems. That's the purpose of a supervisor, right? to improve the working conditions of every employee right my report the white female nurse practitioner kept having tantrums about sharing her office with the residents I asked my supervisor how I should handle this she told me to let her know that I do not have control over the office space arrangements the nurse practitioner wants myself and my coworker to share an office so she can have an office. <clears throat> Mind you, she sees about one, two patients maybe a day. She spends most of her day shut in her medical office and playing on her phone. That's what it's supposed to be for white people. Like that's what this is about. Like I'm not here to be slaving away or anything. I'm trying to get on here and watch some YouTube, get my Netflix on like I got things to do Uh, I guess that's what she wants to do in her own office, darn tootin I mentioned the NP's white female that she does not have a caseload and that's the reason why we have offices, however my new code is not to even talk to her about it my new code is to say I do not 
assign offices. Do you want me, oh excuse me, do you want to speak to the supervisor, white female, about this? Question. I may ask my supervisor how to handle a client, white or non-white, if they decide to refuse treatment because I am non-white. This happened to my coworker, non-white female, classified as black and Hispanic. A client, non-white, asked if the non-white woman, if the, excuse me, a client, non-white, asked if the white woman could handle her treatment. It upset my coworker. Thanks to the cows and Neely Fuller Jr., I am not surprised by this at all. That's all for now. Best vegan RD. Well, I can only say, you know, that's at the minimum. I think that helps with the blood pressure, uh, stress, many levels. Um, just staying out of that, being shocked and surprised and stunned about white people practicing racism uh, and especially that sort of thing like if you're a medical practitioner and a white person thinking that you're incompetent and oh I don't want your nigger hands on me and don't you touch my medication and don't you give me no shot and get away from me and uh, don't you put that stuff that go on me nigger that type of thing uh, it's super common it has been for years there's so many examples of that like we talked about uh, Dr. I believe Dr. McDuffie down in North Carolina this is some years back uh, not that long ago like 2013 when I say some years back where he talked about white patients would call him uppity and that sort of thing. And they, you know, didn't want a black doctor and just try to stay professional, but not be surprised. They even had a big lawsuit here in Washington state about uh, black nurses being called nigger and all the rest. And do they have a right, you know, as a employee, as an employee to say, oh, no, this constitutes uh, a toxic work environment to you know just keep putting me with these racist clients who are going to be spewing all of this while I'm trying to just do my job very very common so yeah I think that's that is awesome that way you already know like this is what the policy and procedure what management this is what they think the best way to handle an event like this is because unfortunately it's probably likely to happen and, and especially with what they call the uh silver tsunami not saying that it's exclusively older white people who do this but oh man whew, more of them are going to need nurse care and everything and so I mean man you got lots of them who are still upset you had that nigger in the White House you know not that long ago so I mean yeah definitely a good one to ask the manager and see what she says in advance uh, for years at the cows Gusty has strongly recommended do not you know get all comfortable with those possessive adjectives right my office my desk my computer if they issue you a device or whatever it is like it's not even your job real important and you have somebody who's there getting huffy about the office space you know hey I don't give out assignments for all. And then you get to stand the question lane. Would you like to speak to the white woman? You want to holler at Becky? She might be able to hook it up. Maybe she knows about extra office space or what have you. But I don't have that much power here. I don't have that sort of authority. And that's nothing, you know, to be fearful about. That's, hey, I'm reminding myself and making sure to remind other people I am not the one to be getting huffy and an attitude even really to talk to.
about it not even to say a word like even a, a, a grouse you know I'm not coming to you to grouse to change it I just want to complain well I'm not even the person for that because if you really got a problem they do have comment boxes and things or a time for people to, to voice these sort of concerns that's not me let's nip all this in the bud right now because that's also sometimes people they will pick out the resident nigger in the office and you'll just be their person to vent to like they just like to come and talk to you about things that trouble them or bother them in the office or bother them in their life sometimes it'll be personal annoyances right I'm not that person either we got serious work to do if this is a serious problem that you have about the decor or you don't have enough space to get your work done there are people to talk to that that's not me I love it. That's just following logic and that possessive adjective reminding myself and everyone else. These are my duties, responsibilities. These are things that I'm in charge of and only these things. If it's not on this list, somebody else's duties and responsibilities. Let's see. Got that there. Blah, 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 blah said that happened to her co-worker hopefully she was not too stunned by all of this and that's another one where keeping your composure and really both ways keeping your composure so that you don't uh feel the other what did you say get a wiper you don't think i can or being really hurt and feeling incompetent like you did something wrong you could be a road scholar perfect gpa your entire way through school med school all of that race soldier is a race soldier I would document what happened though like for sure and then write that down check in with your supervisor about the best way to handle that sort of situation and oh well maybe I get a break I get an extra vacation time I can go and get some water in do a little meditation pick my spirits up and move on with my day not that I'm surprised but just you know making sure I'm nourishing myself toxic environment Uh, the number again Seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email until justice at gmail dot com until justice at gmail.com if you have commentary again feel free we will uh, read anonymously what have you uh, if you either have your own situation if you have views to share on what's been discussed thus far uh, other situation feel free Uh, let's see some of the folks who dialed in with a hand up and I guess you can let us know as well if they have been discussing the Ukraine situation on your job I've said steer clear of all of that Uh, you don't know anything about it I haven't kept up with it I don't have any commentary nothing to say about it at all Uh, let's see folks who dialed in with a hand up uh, if you have commentary to share line should be open proceed can I be heard uh, caller in Ohio yes sir uh, got the book from yesterday I look forward to hearing more of it um, 
I mean, from the from the opening of it, it was very interesting. The the way it took off, it didn't take off like an aircraft. I think it took off more like a rocket. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if uh, somebody answered the question from yesterday because my phone ended up running out of battery. But uh, it was about the rodent thing. I believe she said that the um, rifle was used to hunt beavers. I believe it was beavers because they. She said it like they hunted the beavers and they cooked it. Just in case that question didn't get answered. But uh, hearing the uh, lady and fella, the I, I don't know if they're uh, you know daughter and father, but the Harvard uh, Business Review, hearing how they talked about that whole subject it was word salad it, it takes me back to when you had uh that the voice recording of justice where you, she's just saying buckets and buckets of words when asked the question you know it became like just word salad um i found it interesting when she did say about the um dealing with racism et cetera, et cetera, and calling it a moving target at which point if something's a moving target, is this something that we're shooting at to kill or are we just trying to throw objects at it to hit it? Like what's the point of, you know, us uh, looking at it as a moving target? I don't know if people have ever done, you know, target practice or even played sports. When you're throwing at a target and it's moving, your your goal is generally to hit it. Now, if it's to hit it to, you know, throw something for it to catch or to kill it is the question. Um, she said also it's tied to culture. That kind of caught my ear because uh, when you think about what Mr. Fuller says about culture, culture is what we do. So I perceive that as, you know, uh, the, corporate, the corporate culture of racism is just ingrained in white people. So because of the outside culture, the things they do, it's just natural for the corporate culture just to be as racist as they are outside of that corporation. That's how I took it. I could be uh, incorrect. Um, also something else that I heard them talk about that I think is oftentimes used as a cover for them to practice racism, white supremacy is they'll talk about hiring practices, right? Let's talk about the hiring numbers. Let's talk about the hiring numbers, but nobody ever asked the question, what do the numbers of people who get fired look like? Cause you know, that was that adage, black people are the last hired, first fired. I very rarely hear people talk about the numbers on how many black folks get fired at those companies. So let's say they hire 10 black people. Well, if they fire all 10 of them and don't tell you about that number, then, you know, you'd be like, oh, there's progress going on there. Um, she also said something about keeping things close to the vest. And I believe, I, I don't think it was her as the guy, but he said something, to, or maybe it was her, but they said something to the effect, keeping things close to the, to the vest when they were speaking about the... Um, way that i guess old school corporate america which could be a bad use of a, a term there but how they used to handle um problems like racism and then they threw in sexism and all that other stuff but i found that interesting that they used the keeping things close to the vest uh i mean a vest what type of vest if if we reference back to the moving target is this person wearing a bulletproof vest if, if this is a bulletproof vest then Am I in a war zone in corporate America? So there's all these words, soups, and salads that she made up to the point that uh, I can't really see the book being too good because those are usually things that I know white people like to read because those are words I usually hear them say when referencing handling the situation around race. And uh, with that, I'll meet my line.
much obliged caller in Ohio not a vote of encouragement for the whites book anti-racist leadership how to transform corporate culture in a race conscious world maybe we missed it maybe we got fooled uh, if anybody reads it write a review maybe it doesn't have to be super long you can write a review we'll read it on workplace racism we'll post share and uh yeah, we'll stand corrected if it's got some constructive info that you can apply. Let's see. Oh, really quick. Uh, that was mentioned. The book that we uh, surprisingly started reading yesterday, Essie Mae Washington Williams memoir, Dear Senator. Uh, she did mention or were the folks that she thought uh, were her parents and all growing up. Uh, that they did have a hunting rifle and they would go out to shoot. Uh, I believe she did say beavers, one of those beavers, possums, whatever it is, groundhogs. Um, all of those, I believe, are rodents. Um, I'm not a, a biologist, uh, any of that by by trade, uh, even amateur. Uh, but I believe those, those would be rodents. I think retired firefighter. That's what he was talking about because she listed a lot of food and I was thinking is that rodent because she was talking about plums and all that I was like is that rodent food that was, <laughs> I don't know. but she did say the beavers that uh, that would qualify yes I do remember that uh, vividly always nice to get confusion cleared up um, let's see the oh and the high that they have lots of those tricks like you're talking about where they'll do the hiring numbers like oh my goodness look at all the niggers we hired and then they don't say like we, we fired or intend to fire uh, 80% of them within the first six months maybe first six days who knows excellent with that sort of thing we've had people who've dialed in before where sometimes they won't even do the hiring numbers they'll do the interview numbers in fact that might be what the NFL does Rooney rule style Rooney rule style we had some folks who dialed in who said I guess it would be like I don't know July maybe or I don't know. Pick a time of the year. Spring, maybe. It was, you know, springtime. Yes, bring the niggers in for the spring. They'll be all hopeful because it's getting warm and all that. And ha-ha, we'll dash the whole thing. But they'll, they'll take a picture, right? You had to call in the courthouse. They have the uh, newsletter and everything. So they say, hey, we believe in diversity, equity, inclusion. We hashtag for George Floyd. We have Women's History Month paraphernalia in the lobby. We have an LGBTQ sign. Uh, we have placards for George Washington Carver and the peanut. We just interviewed uh, 50 Negroes. In fact, we have it in the newsletter right here. You'll see that they brought in their kente cloth. I, I wore some myself. But we, we interviewed uh, 60 uh, young uh, promising Negroes right here. And then they'll leave out that uh, we uh, did not hire any of the 60 but they came in and it was a great day and we all felt good and we'll do it again this time next year and we've had folks who literally said that is exactly how their work environment operates where it's like they have a certain time every year 60 niggers get called in none of them get sired 60 niggers go back out and we do it all again the same time next year again that's not we're ignorant we didn't know we're confused that is the system of white supremacy deliberate caller uh, in Florida said man we understaffed like my goodness can we get can you find anybody eh. mm. 
hard out here for the Negroes, especially the black males, it would seem. We got that all that black male privilege, doesn't <sighs> let's get to the rest of the uh emails. Don't read all of them. We'll get one email, then we'll get to the phone lines and then get uh more emails as we proceed. Uh email number two. Let's see. All right, this is a uh, male victim of racism. He writes in. Greetings, Gus. There are two incidents I would like to share that happened at my workplace at the school district. First incident, two non-white, non-black victims of white supremacy took about seven pallets from work and went to sell them off campus. They received $40 for the pallets. They took the $40 and bought pizza and one of them told the one of the suspected race soldier supervisors that he sold some pallets and lunch is on him. The race soldier ate the victim's pizza. After eating the victim's pizza, the race soldier went to his boss, another race soldier, and told him that the two victims stole the pallets and bought pizzas. but not implicating himself. I love it. I love it. As enjoying the pizza also. The two victims got written up, of course, and any other incident, and they are gone. Mr. Puller, Mr. Puller is perfectly correct when he says, uh-oh, if you don't understand racism, white supremacy, what it is, and how it works, Everything else will only confuse you. Incident number two. I was chatting with a counselor at school, another victim. She said she had something interesting to shit. You know, I didn't read this in advance. This sounds like some tackiness. All this is why I said uh, the rewind from before. I said. When they want to come and whine and complain, vegan RD, she beautiful job. Female came, man, give us no office space here. Can't believe this. Having a face meet my clients, man, hate this. Gotta stuck that. I'm not in charge of assigning office space. Would you like to speak with Karen? Real important. Talking about business things because I said white people and non-white people we love that where's the resident coon at I can come and vent my husband is cheating on me or I'm cheating on my husband or we're both cheating on each other I want to go and talk to him about it my son is having an affair he's 12 I'm going to come talk to you about it I am not that dude I am not that lady. You do not come find me to talk about some trash and nonsense. Let's see what she wanted to to come share. Let's because it's never she want to come share and stock tip. Let's see anybody think that's what it's going to be. Stock tip. How to get first class business flights for Coach Fair? Anybody think that's what it's going to be? Get your mortgage paid off in half the time. Anybody think that's what it's going to be? Real estate tip. Let's see what it is. White woman, something interesting to share with me. She told me that suspected race soldier white woman school teachers 
are cajoling the Hispanic students to use the English version of their Hispanic first name rather than the original version given to them by their parents. For example, use Frank instead of Francisco, John instead of Juan. Now it makes sense to me why they don't want a brilliant black male like young academic teaching in a school because they want this situation to mold these kids into hating themselves and to practice racism against other victims. These race soldiers are very surgical and precise with their deception. Now that's interesting. I was not expecting a share of racism. I was expecting something tacky. Now it still wasn't exactly stock tips and you know get that mortgage paid. Um, even that sort of thing. Now I mean so what? Now that's the same thing like with Vegan RD. So are you telling Miss so that we can go key her car? Are you telling me this because you think this is wrong and something should be done about it? If that's the case I wouldn't be the person to talk to you, right? I'm not in human resources. I'm not this person's direct supervisor. Like, there would have to be someone better to talk to about this than me, right? Still back in the question lane. That sort of thing. Like, because we've even had that one before. Actually, I will take that back. I was not as, I was closer to being correct than, like, I, some, she didn't come out with, hey, you know, I just, we just found the greatest website where you can get first class flights to Hawaii from anywhere for five dollars. <laughs> like that's not what she shared. Um this type of thing, number one, because the white woman that's doing the sharing, you don't think of her as racist. Two, oh, this is another victim. Chatting with another council victim. Sorry, 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 sorry. Shouldn't pay attention. This is another victim. Whoopee white person was sharing this sort of thing I'd be looking at her kind of suspect like hmm alright this might be true and even an act of racism but why are you telling me but he said this was a victim non-white person who shared this so that's grand even with that I would still be cautious I've said that that's the, the kind of stance that I've taken I would not just you know oh my gosh you know we need to go key your car that type of thing I would be cautious uh, unless you have a great rapport with this person. You've known this person for a long time, years, and you all have some sort of trust. Um, even even if this person has the best intentions, I wouldn't want them to repeat something that we discussed in private about this. And then they take it and repeat it someplace else or whatever else. So even under these circumstances, uh, with another victim of racism doing the sharing, I would still be cautious about you know your response uh, in all of this and you don't know who could be listening either you know but yeah that's no surprise at all sir uh, if that sort of thing is happening uh, they just had a report about white supremacy racism uh, against so-called uh, Native Americans in the school system uh, all a part of that uh, self-hate getting you the worshipping of white culture white supremacy culture uh, getting that to start at a very early age so yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised about any of that at all. Uh, let's see. Anything else I want to get in there? Oh, the palette. Man, oh man, oh man. The palette uh, thing before I get to the other callers. In your work environment, uh, that almost reminds me of Friday, like getting uh, fired for stealing boxes type of a thing. 
I would not that the possessive adjectives. I don't think pallets are expensive. I know in some work environments they do give away pallets. Like I've worked in because Seattle is a big shipping town, port city and everything. So I mean there are some businesses they get pallets every day, you know, throw them away, give them away. Like you can uh, take them out to the beach here. Some people use them uh, for uh, firewood. If you're going to go and have a bonfire on the beach type of a thing, I would make sure it might be the type of thing that you have in writing. If I'm going to get a paper clip, a cardboard box, a pallet, one sheet I don't mean the whole roll I literally mean one square torn from a roll of toilet paper that's what I'm talking about even that one square get authorization before you just abscond because that sort of thing oh my god like the sabotage of it like some 50 cent pay. It might not even be 50 cent. Like I said, they throw, they trash these. Depends on what type of place that you're working at because they get broken. It's cheap wood. This is not the sort of thing that's going to last for 100 years. It's a pallet. Uh, you go sell the pallet. They get 40 I think he's got seven of them, right? That's not even selling dollars a pallet. You go sell these pallets. Come back. Get some pizza. Oh, you got pizza and you saw the pallet. Negros are stealing. He said these were non-white, non-black, but whatever. Sand niggers or whatever. Uh, you're stealing pallets. Oh, I uh, will help myself to some pizza. Wow, this sure is tasty. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll have two slices. Oh, thank you so much. You all are so great. Best, best guys in the world. And then, uh, hey Frank, they've been stealing pallets. Yep, get another video. Oh man, this been, thanks so much for the pizza again. It was just great. And then they go get rid of it and all that. And be imagine that in these times with everything as crazy as it is, even them saying the shortages and all that getting fired for stealing wooden pallets I'm sure they weren't brand new these are some scuffed up used pallets probably used who knows how many times and that's what I'm going to be fired for and it's not even like I took my $5,000 from these used pallets my 500 <laughs> I didn't even get fifty dollars, <laughs> so I'm gonna take my my fifty dollars from these used pallets. It's not like we took that and you know we we gonna go and and buy crack cocaine, and we're out snorting in the bathroom. They bought lunch. Almost you could say we bought lunch for the company. Come back share with the white man. That's what we get fired for. That's almost related to what the college just dialed in, calling Ohio. He said, man. Look at that. We just hired 60 niggers and we intend to hire, fire them in the next 60 days. And we're coming up with the reasons. Oh, stealing pallet. Yeah, we just we would love to have diversity, but we just can't have theft of pallets. You know, it starts out with stealing pallets. And then the next thing you know, we have someone snorting crack in the bathroom. Now, nobody was snorting crack in the bathroom, but you got to get, you know, handle on things. That's how you run a business. Don't take anything from your work environment it's possessive these are not my pallets it's not my office it's not my desk I'm just allowed to hang out here Whew, 40 dollars 
And it was two of them. I don't know if that's $40 a piece or we got $40 in total for these seven. That seems closer to it. Like we got $40 total. So between us, we got $20 and then we bought pizza with that and almost got fired. Context of white supremacy. Um, Let's see. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have commentary to share, Line should be open. Proceed. Our uh, Bay Area mom, aforementioned. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Greetings to everyone on the line. So, I was listening to some of the clips. I, um, Gas, all my stars. So gas is $6 here, <laughs> give or take, depending on where you go. A high five, five sixty nine, seventy nine, eighty nine, six oh nine, that kind of thing. Uh, help. So it, it, I'm sure for the people that were working from home and then you have to hit it or hit it, then you have to go back in the, um, in the field. Uh, that's gotta, uh, hurt. And then if you are doing, um, those driver and Uber, DoorDash, that kind of thing, that gas is, ooh, because you don't even know sometimes, well, since when I used to do it, I don't know where I'm going until I get there, um, as far as my destination. You can, they'll, they'll tell you where to pick up, but once you pick up, particularly if it's a passenger, you got to go to San Francisco. <laughs> I remember one time I was in Antioch and somebody was going way to Modesto. Why Modesto? Why your butt? That's why they kept canceling. That's why they put an address in because they knew everybody was going to cancel. That's stupid far. So, um, and, oh, the, uh, the uh, substitute teachers, so, yeah, so I don't know about how they're hiring substitute teachers here, but I know as far as actual teachers having live classes, that's what the lady is, the uh, Caucasian lady that um, talks about me and stuff. <laughs> that's what she is. She doesn't have all her credentials, so they're allowing her to teach a whole class. This is her second year. She did one online last year. Uh, before um, they allow them to come in person this time. And um, <laughs> she's saying that she's considering not doing it um, for August that's coming up because it's uh, a lot of work and she doesn't think she can uh, deal with it. Um, but not before throwing me out of the, the train. She's making sure that I, she says all this stuff about me, uh, I heard. I didn't hear what it was. So they said they. I said I wasn't. It doesn't matter to me because I don't get angry like the person that was going to tell me the black teacher's assistant. I don't respond in the same manner, so it it just doesn't um, affect me. But it's good to know. So she was just saying that she walked away from the lady when she was talking about me and um, reported her, and then. 
I reported this uh, non-complete uh, actual sit-in teacher in my note because I do report, you know, I do my notes um, every day for every school that I go to and every classroom that I'm in. So I um, wrote, I typed in um, how she talks to, you know, yelling at the kids, calling them liars, uh, belittling them, all the stuff that she does, all the screaming and hollering and yelling. So I just type it in um, as a part of my um, reports and also say what I say to her, too. You know, you don't have to do that. Don't do this, this, this. And so uh, my supervisor, or not my supervisor, but behaviorist, um, I guess she is my supervisor, or whatever, the, the person whose caseload it is, she sent me an email um, Tuesday, Tuesday, asking me. Um, she said she was going over my notes and she can see how this lady is talking to the students. And um, do I, uh, if it continues, has she changed any? And I was like, no, but she hasn't been here either. Um, not when I saw her again, she hadn't changed her tune. And then the paraeducator or Teacher's assistant had told me that when I'm not there, she hasn't changed either. So um, she said that, uh, I just said, it does need to be monitored if you think you need to take it somewhere else because she was talking about taking it, um, reporting it to the administrator, um, whoever the admins are. And um, I said, yeah, you probably have to. So I also talked to the supervisor about how I was pulled off of the little black boy. And I think I remember telling you on Friday when I was with him because the other Caucasian male wasn't available because he had, uh, he was off for a week. Um, I worked with the black boy and um, I just didn't understand how he's the one that needs the most help. I'm not saying the second grader doesn't need assistance, but the original plan was for this one. And then you have someone come in on the days that I'm not there. So that's too much assistance for him and barely none for the fourth grader who's going to be a fifth grade. So um, I was put back on the uh, little black boy. So I went there to this morning and um, I had to work with, he's so accustomed to being, it seems like the, the student's are a little sharp with their tongue when it comes to non-white educators and staff. They're very uh, rather disrespectful or real. They'll just say slick stuff and, um, excuse my metaphors, but they'll, they'll, they talk real um, disrespectful. So I, he was saying something, the little boy, uh, black boy, and um, like I said, I do notice that that it's okay to disrespect us versus you might think twice when it's uh, not black uh, staff. So he's talking to me, and I don't know, whatever he was mumbling, because he's already, <laughs> his teacher is black, but she has a full regular education class, and she might have maybe three or four or as uh, pushing it, children that may need an extra push. So um, he's one of them. So I, I'm just standing back because they're watching the video. He's got his foot 
<laughs> he's got his foot in it. So some little uh, uh, Asian descent looking girl. He's got his foot hiked up because he had on a cute little outfit today. So I guess he he was so freshly dressed. He could just, uh, you know, see these Jordans, wow, wow, took that foot and put it on the little girl's feet. So mind you, I'm sure she doesn't say anything when he's doing whatever he does back there. So they're sharing a desk, uh, side, you know, it's a two-seater desk. And he's got his foot on her seat, and he's just chilling like, boy, how clean I am, head to toe clean. Uh. And he, 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 he was clean today, right? My colors, all that. But I said, I know you don't have your foot on this girl's chair like this. Move this foot. So put your feet all the way down on the board. You get all the extra theatrics. So um, he's saying something to me because now since you did all this chilling and all this stuff, you don't know the instructions to whatever's going on. I haven't been there in a week. You don't know what's going on around here. And he asked me something about whatever they're doing, the gold rush. So he's asking me something about it. I'm like, oh, well, what happened? I don't know. I'm like, what you mean you don't know? Man, what you, you don't know? Well, what you in for? I said, hey, let me, let me tell you what I'm here for, dude. Let me, let me come over here. Let me tell you why I'm here. You want to know why I'm here? For you. You want to know why? Because you want to be still. You want to be just stop being disrespectful. You just pop off and say anything. You do anything. You're standing on tables, desks, chairs. That's why I'm here. You can't retain information. That's why I'm here. Okay? I'm not here to do your homework and your classwork. And I'm taking notes for me. Yeah, you do see me taking notes, but this is for me, so I at least have an idea of what's going on when I'm talking to you. Ah, I was like, and don't you ever talk to me like that again. As long as you live, don't you ever talk to me like that again. You understand? Yeah. Right. So I, I, I make him do his work. Um, I don't know what kind of games he's been playing since August, but I make him do his work and I make him focus because he's totally distracted and unfocused. So to pull me off of the one that's the most distracted, the one that has the most to lose and put me on Chucky's case and I'm working with him to make sure he has a better life, that was, that wasn't going to work. So... I ended up um, making a stance so I can stay with this one because he's the one that needs the most help. And I hit all these different schools, and I do as much as I can, but to pull me off of him and to leave him with some Caucasian teacher, I don't even know what this Caucasian lady is. My supervisor doesn't even know who this lady is. To have this lady come, and she's only actually there for the little girl. And she hasn't been there since <laughs> since I've been there. I don't know if I make her uncomfortable or what I'm saying. But um, that's that's all my workplace racism. I'll um, I'll uh, oh, I got another one. So the little uh, the little boy. I remember I took him um when I was working at the other company. I kept one of the kids, which was a little black boy. So his mom. I now she burnt me out because I did the whole weekend last weekend. I did fourteen hours. The weekend had just passed. Uh, so she calls me because she wanted to know. Now, I told you, I told her already that I work. 
she wanted to know if I would come to her house early and um, she wanted me to come to her house early today so her husband can go to a funeral. Mine just like four or five adults living in the house. I have to work. I get there as early as I possibly can. I have to work. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess you do have to work. Yeah, I do. And you have the joy of working from home. I see you a lot of Fridays at home. You can go home. But, okay, well, I'll tell his dad that you can't come early. <laughs> what? I didn't she knows that I work. People that just don't want to be bothered with their own children. You could take him to the funeral if, if you, if, you know, you could take him, but you don't want to be bothered because he's a handful. So that's it. I'm in my line. Thank you for taking my call. And all right. Wow. 14 hour shift. Uh, Bay Area mom last weekend. That's a. Lot of hours. Um, hmm. Hmm. Gus T. I think we were talking before about metaphors and some people treating their child like some sort of leased vehicle. And I don't know, like uh, in a system of racism, white supremacy, uh, if you produce a black child, it should be all sorts of enthusiasm and whoopee and jubilee and joy I had this child I chose to do this and this is awesome I love hanging out with them and doing stuff with them and all that not looking to pawn them off every 30 seconds whoa 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 throw away children anywho said throw away children uh, who would have lots to be angry about we talked about that last week uh, I suspect their brain computers probably work well enough when they see how these white women are talking to you all, yelling and, and all of us, get over there and watch him. He's got breaking tendencies. I told you, you got to and all the rest. I'm like, oh, yeah. These little nigger stab. Oh, okay. Talk to them. They don't count for me. I see how she, she talks to them the way she talks to us. That could be some of it. I'm sure it's a lot, you know more components to it but I mean that's certainly something that I would think about like her racist conduct and the way that she speaks to you all students are watching all of that in terms of the power dynamic and white people being in charge is enforced in so many other ways worldwide and everything that they do so that's just one more element to confirm black people they don't count for anything you talk to them any old kind of way I do think that that's uh, spectacular and kind of nipping that in the bud uh, because like come on now if you're not going to talk to these white people like that do not just wait until it's a black person here and then oh yeah I'm going to get at this nigger and you're not going to tell me nothing like come on now come on <laughs> like come on black self respect total annihilated we had two people talking about that in different components in the classroom white women being in charge at all of this uh, let's see the documentation I think that is so important uh, in terms of documenting uh, what's happening 
each day at school, how the teacher is talking to the students uh, so that this is being noted uh, and so that other people can say, hey, is is this happening? Is she being rude and discourteous when she's uh, speaking to the students? And it seemed like, oh, yeah, she's doing her tantrums and all you losers and you blew it and all the like, of course, liars, all the rest of it. That's going to continue. Uh, and her gossiping about the black staff members. All kind of, they might even I mean, who knows, uh, as as trifling and terroristic as this white woman is, she might even be doing some of that gossiping in front of them. Where they're getting to hear that, too. So, I mean, that would just, you know, be more fuel to oh yeah this is someone she doesn't matter I don't have to be courteous to her at all you know I'll say whatever I want to her teacher you know thinks she's trash anyway she's talking bad about her every other day and students can pick up on body language I mean everybody we all pick up on body language if she's gossiping and, and doing all of that I am sure her energy and body language is probably also communicating some things that those students might be subconsciously consciously picking up on as well but the documentation, I think that's great. Like you was talking about, if other people are seeing this, like, hey, maybe, you know, something should be said about this. You know, if she's if this is something that's happening consistently and the language that she's using, these are the folks. As she said, help those the person who needs the most help gets the most help. This never happens with black people in an academic environment or anywhere else. As opposed to, hey, let's go and get some of these black children. No, 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 no. Let's pull her off of that. Put her with a white person. She had talked about that before. Consistent and even with the little uh, black boy who was being discourteous and all of that. I think she said that he hadn't been in school for a week. That's one that I've seen consistently as well. Uh, the people who need the most help in an academic environment where they have either had so much frustration or so much difficulty or, you know, racism, white supremacy, all of the above, uh, where they end up now starting to miss lots of days. And I mean, that is poisonous, especially for younger children, uh, because it's really, really difficult once you start, man, I mean, big chunks of that out, everything over the last two years, Zoom this week and then back in class next week and Zoom again and who knows when you start missing a lot of days uh, and you're just doing whatever, you know, wake up whatever time you want, watch whatever television you want. You don't do any school. You're not using your brain computer. That's a metaphor. But the other metaphor that they use your brain is like any other muscle. That's what they say. If you do push ups every day, pretty much regardless of who you are, if you do them every day, you will get stronger. You'll be able to do them. Or eventually, maybe you start out. You couldn't do one. You keep doing them every day. You keep that up for some months. Hey, now you can do 10. Eventually, you might even be able to do 100 or whatever. You just keep doing them every day. You stop. Oh, man, you come back. You might not even be able to do one. It's the same thing with your brain computer, especially for young children. You haven't been reading anything except maybe the instructions for the latest game that you're trying to play on the PS5 or whatever. It's the exact same. And now you try to come in and we're going to try and conjugate a sentence, teach you some math, do some history, ask you to write a paper or something like what? I've been playing games and watching Netflix for the last five months. What are you talking about? Exactly what she said. What are you talking about? I don't know nothing. You the teacher. You're supposed to teach me. I don't know what you mean. That's exactly what I would expect. 
people that have had a horrendous experience with racist teachers who think that I'm a little liar. We just blow it all the time. And then I've been chilling at home. Not like chilling at home, homeschooling, just chilling. It is real hard to kind of get back in having worked in the classroom. I have seen that. I mean, it takes some discipline to be able to get your mind to a point where you can just get back to, oh, okay, we're going to sit here and we're just going to be doing academic stuff for the next two or three hours. Then maybe we'll get out recess and all that. And then we'll get back on the ground. Like it takes some discipline to be doing that regularly. All intended by white people. Uh, much obliged, Bay Area mom. Throwaway children. Can't say that enough, man. Like, all of this has to be thought about ideally before you get to the bedroom. How much of this can we avoid for our offspring? Lots to think about before the bedroom. Email number three. Uh, all right. Uh, different female victim. She writes in, Hi, Gus and callers. Thanks so much for the advice given last week regarding my manager setting up weekly meetings to pump me for information on my weekends. To the questions asked, no, I did not know her before she became my manager last month, and there is no history of me hanging out, sharing personal information, etc. She is new to the team, but has worked for the organization longer than I. I recently joined, so there is no history to correct. She's probing, and no, I'm finding it difficult to tolerate. The update. She canceled all of the catch-ups. See there? Much to do about nothing. I missed last week's. It would have been the first one. I had a headache that she caused, so I left early. I also could not do this week's as she had scheduled them during training, which is in my diary before she sent the invite. I know she checks my diary, so why schedule them during my training? Rhetorical question, all very deliberate. Now, see, we've had this a number of times where non-white people have had supervisors schedule things or ask them if they could schedule something or if they were available when they already had this non-white person schedule and they knew all they had to do was look at the schedule oh they're occupied during this time now this could just be an oversight maybe they're you know really overworked and they just didn't see I'm of the opinion if you're that overworked then maybe you should take a break so you can be more efficient because there's no reason for you to solicit my diary or my class schedule all this other extra personal information from me that is ostensibly so that you already know when I'm available when I'm occupied if you're not going to use it and just turn around and call and or double book me that's why I said it would kind of lead me to think you, as she said you're doing this deliberately Continuing, I was careful not to decline the meeting. I said I was free in the afternoon if she wanted to catch up about anything. She replied back, nah, (laughs) N-A-H, my use of caps as I think this might be 
might be used of what she thinks in Negroes. Oh, now see, this is because <laughs> I was thinking that like, wow, she said, nah, in a like, what? <laughs> like, I think I have said, nah, I think I've said that before, but like, I would never put that in a business email, even if it was all black people. It might not be no sir, no ma'am. You know, if this is, you know, we're just talking back and forth in the email, but nah. I think, I too think that that could be some more of that old Negro speaking. And that's not as quick, you know, what you know, homie, and all the rest of it. Give me some depth, my man. You know, all right. It's not that much, but I mean, it is definitely. Does she, does she do any other messages or text communiques to white colleagues with nah? I don't even know how to spell that. Continuing. Uh, oh, and she says, see, I never use that word in the workplace. That's what I said. I, I mean, you maybe catch me on a, you know, dress down Friday where I'm having a grand old time and it's five o'clock. We got a three day weekend and this is the one black person on the job that I like. Or maybe you're going to tell us what you're doing for the weekend. Nah, <laughs> you might get something like that. But beyond that. Are you serious? In an email, I wouldn't even know how to spell. How do you spell that? She continues. There's nothing she needs to catch up with me about. Of course. Of course. Keep it business. Stop wasting time. She continues. She then sent a meeting cancellation. A few minutes later, she sent a cancellation for the whole meeting series with no explanation. I did not ask why and have no intention of doing so. Brilliant. Next week will be the first time I go into the office as I've been working from home due to the pandemic. The requirement is two days per week, but so far people are being encouraged back to the office for two days. I'm planning to do one for now love it so my manager has suggested we go to lunch I was screaming in my head again for the lunch you could I mean hey with things being what they are I would use the pandemic until like it's ancient history COVID is done and they got like music uh, exhibits in like the Smithsonian and thing as long as this is still ongoing hey I'm still a little squeamish about eating out in crowds. I don't eat out. I've got children. And I would you if I had children. Oh, man, they would be invoked all the time. I've got offspring. I'm just being cautious. I've got offspring. I'm just being. Ca- oh, yeah. My children, you know, it's just got to make sure that they're doing all right. Yeah, I just can't take any risks with my little boy, my little girl. You know, they mean so I would have bunches of those just lined up I'd be using those till like 2025 so hey got children and we're still being cautious and not doing a whole lot of going out and stuff I'm not eating out presently now she might say that she wants to eat together and then it would just be I'm not doing I'm still not eating out in public anything like that just eating at home haven't been eating out or anything just taking it cautious got those children you know if you really don't want to do lunch and hey, as long as you haven't been going to the office. So as far as they know, this could be true. It's not like you've been coming there doing banquets and everything. So I mean, that is one. Just continue to use the pandemic. What's she going to say? Pandemic, shmandemic. You got to come. Really? I got children. What's she going to say? 
Hopefully she's a mom. Uh, let's see. I guess folks have suggestions about this luncheon. If you would you do it or if you would not, if you really don't want to do it, how would you exnay the whole luncheon? She continues. Another non-white woman has joined the team. She reports to me. She was keen on the lunch, but I emailed my manager to let her know I'm not comfortable. Hey, genius. Uh, she was keen on the lunch, but I emailed my manager to let her know I'm not comfortable due to COVID, which she accepted. Who's going to say? I mean, they could. You could have some folks who say it's no Rona and all the rest of it. But in a work environment, like, really? Are you going to put that on paper? That it's no Rona and, you know, buy humbug to that. Let's go out and do a high five. Really? And that's put it in writing. And then take that in writing, contact the health department or, you know, HR and uh, let's see. I said I was happy for the two of them to go to lunch and that I was happy to do something outside. She suggested a lunchtime walk, which I said yes to. So I'm seen to be engaging with the team. I have no intention of making it a regular occurrence. Brilliant. I could do the walk thing. Most people are not going to go out and do like some power 60 minute walk. Right. And if you're walking, I don't know how fast if this is. I mean, if they got heels on, the people came and be cute. They got, you know, their cute workout attire on. This is not going to be a power walk. So we take our little ginger walk and they still got to eat and do some emails. So, I mean, you can really control how long you're in for this whole walk activity. 15, 20 minutes, whatever. You're going around. Oh, everybody's doing, enjoying the weather. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, I love the sunshine. It's so great. Get outside. Oh, look at the time. We got to get back to the office. Brilliant. And I just feel like moving around much better than that confined, cooped up. Now nah, I can just drill at you, drill at you, especially if it's going to be a third person. Oh, now we can break some of this up and even incorporate her into. Oh, man, what do you think about this park? Have you been to this park before? Not even asking anything specific about your family or any details like that. Oh, do you like this park? Do you know what kind of bird that is? Wow. Is that a squirrel over in the corner? Oh, my goodness. And whatever. They can sneak in jokes about the raccoons and all that. Mm-hmm. Coon this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we did our 20 minutes. She continues. By the way, I wasn't serious about going guns blazing. This is the metaphor from last week. But in the past, I would have challenged things head on, probably going to a more senior manager. I'm taking a different approach by ignoring her suggestion that I do not think she also suggested this week that I do not apply for a leadership development course that is coming up as they happen regularly. I'm also going to ignore that suggestion. I don't think it will be completely her say at any leadership development trainings sign up for them like immediately as soon as they become available sign up i'm the first person to sign up for it oh this sounds phenomenal i'm interested yes leader yes leadership opportunity sign me up yes and let them know like go back i am keenly interested any information i will be there front and center with notes ready to roll like, wow, this nigga is really enthused about the training. Okay, duly noted. Uh, let's see. I want to applaud the young scholar, young academic, for passing his teaching, training, and his accomplishments with the young black students. It's sad he is leaving, but it's understandable. My brother is also a teacher. He is happily married, but that did not stop the predatory white female teachers from from trying to entice him come on 
Is that cowbell? That's what that sounded like to me. Young academic did say that. He said he got in trouble. White woman made a pass at him and he declined and that was a part of the trouble too. Is that is that uh, par for the course for black male educators? That's one of the hoops you got to jump through. Metaphor. He also declined, but he finds it tricky as there could be retro. Are you serious? Oh, my God. We need to do a program on that. Black male teachers in the bedroom. Oh, my goodness. What is going on? I'm so glad someone wrote in about the use of gifts, emojis, etc. in online meetings. Oh, we talked about this. Oh, my God. I can't. Snuffy got the Rona and posted it. Yeah, we talked about that. I think that was two weeks ago. I have also noticed the tacky racist tone to them. I previously had a white male manager who I do not believe spends much time with non-white black people. He would use lots of gifts of Oprah, Jamie Foxx, and other famous black people or those with a hip-hop rep. Yeah, that there are people who have done, I don't know if it's in a workplace context, but there are people who have done uh, like research and analysis on white people doing this, um, using lots of emojis and all this posting with uh, black people, like she was saying, white people that don't even like spend time or have contact with black people directly. But all of this posting with all Kanye West here and Jay-Z here and all this sort of thing uh, to post or their little jokes and things with their friends and texts and all the rest of it. Like, what is up with that? Dancing Obama, that type of thing. She continues. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Hip hop references. Someone introduced a team bonding game every Friday, which was based on a music theme. For example, hits from the 90s. Uh, the team would then send YouTube links of songs from that era throughout the day. A non-white, non-black female thought it appropriate to send Cisco's thong song and Nelly's country grammar videos. Unwise on many levels. I said nothing. E. Finally, I had a non-white, non-black female bring up racism in an interview. What in the world? We t- are you serious? We just talked about this last week. What is going on? I was interviewing her with a white male director, but she would be reporting directly to me. He asked why she was leaving her last position, and she said it was due to racism. He almost choked and made a mmm. <laughs> He was codified all the way. Like, whoa, my God, what type of nigger is it? It was a long time ago, so I cannot remember what, if anything, he said afterwards, but she was appointed. How about that? I was surprised she mentioned it, but I did not say that to my director and certainly did not think it should be a reason not to offer her the role. That's what I said. The more that I thought about that last week, like it would have to be. This was last week. Our caller in Virginia, she said that a black male, I guess, with uh, one of her homies, Uh, apparently went in and was accused of saying something about racism during an interview process over zoom uh, talking for like 30 minutes or so even though when we asked for details I guess he brought up 
something about the Caribbean and Africa and the diaspora, like the word racism didn't seem like it was used when we got for the details. So it may not have even been that he was saying racism per se, but we were told that the, the black female during the interview said, no way. The white people love this candidate. We're going to hire this black male. And she's eh, uh-uh. this guy's in here talking about racism. Can't have him. <laughs> and, uh, even after I thought about it more like unless they were really in there on some like, you know, Ungawa black power, uh, not effing around anymore. Uh, my black brother Gus T, I got your beret right here, and we are going to stick it to these whiteys. I mean, you let me get this job, man, I am going to get it to him. I'm stealing the cop. Like, it would have to be that type of thing. Like, oh my God. Like, oh yeah, we can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't. Like, that's the one that would be too far, too much to bridge. Like, we couldn't hire him, and then I can tell him after he gets hired, like, uh, don't bring up not effing around here, and please don't call me brother. <laughs> like, it might be. It might be too much to correct, but as long as it's beneath that, like, okay, hire him and just make sure we tell him after he gets on, like, do not do that during the interview process. Crazy. Anywho, much obliged. Uh, got your back. Gotta love Cheetos. Um, crazy work environment all the way around. Wow. Uh, I guess if anybody else with the emojis, if you're checking out, if they do group emails, texts, it's been so much of that online with people being at home and such, uh, let us know. Maybe you can stockpile some of the emojis and images uh, that you've gotten uh, so that people can kind of correlate. And I'll even maybe go back and look and see if I can find some of the research that people are doing on this white people and their gathering and sharing of these uh, Negro images. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up, if you have comments here to share, let me give out the number again. 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, folks who Oh, there's retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, I guess uh, this would be a uh, another public service announcement uh, to uh, non-white black people who attempt to be parents uh, in your child's workplace. Uh, keep them briefed on what you go to school for and what they should be doing uh, because uh, just recently uh, down here in South Florida uh, there were five what I'm assuming five uh, black male students who were arrested uh, for assaulting uh, white students and they were charged with a hate crime also which is a felony which is a felony uh, that took place uh, about four or five days ago maybe a little bit a little bit more but still kind of recent 
uh, I mean, it's something that probably can can be saved until tomorrow, uh, as far as the incident is concerned. But uh, the school is uh, your child or children's workplace. Uh, you know, I, I was just thinking that uh, that uh, there was a lot of non-white black people who who basically uh, asked uh, the people in power to uh, come up with something uh, similar to what they what is called a a uh, hate crime hate crime law, and now it's being is being used on non-white black people, children at that. Uh, this is middle school, middle school. So their ages probably range somewhere from twelve to about four, twelve to about fourteen, maybe fifteen years old. Uh, uh, if if you if to get the details of it, uh, you know you can find it easily. Just put put that what I've been saying in in your search engine on your computer on phone, and you can get details about what actually what what the news says what actually took place. Although there's a lot of suspecting things involved with the incident that tells me that uh, actually it's a uh, refined means of racist white supremacy being practiced against these children and their parents, who also is going to suffer from the standpoint of their children uh, uh, getting uh, these charges uh, pressed and, and uh, continued against them. Uh, yeah, uh, other than that, uh, other than that, uh, uh, I heard, I heard uh, some talking about the, the book yesterday uh with the uh the rodent thing that I brought up. Uh and from my understanding that what what it was, it was a beaver. I don't I don't even know if a beaver uh, is a rodent in the rodent family or not, but uh, it is a, something that you're not gonna find in the grocery store <laughs> to to purchase. But uh and you probably you probably have to know what you're doing to be able to capture and kill one because I did I have heard that a beaver can be pretty vicious <laughs> but uh, it's, anyway but uh, they're more I guess it's more closer to a raccoon and I definitely have heard that that was a a source that uh, uh, people have eaten a lot of back in the, in the the day probably st still to a point today as far as that concern, you know, but, uh, anyway, I'm probably off subject anyway. So, uh, but yeah, uh, brief your children on, on, uh, what you go what you go to school for. So they don't, uh, sort of be much more difficult to, uh, uh, have them in the trouble that these five children are in right now. Although, you know, kids, kids do fight, you know, in school. And it's actually, it's not unusual for different reasons, but, uh, something is, is, uh, 
tough as that as a charge, uh, I, I don't think I don't think they deserve that at all, even if they were fighting. But uh, that's all I have to say on that subject. Thank you. Caping for black males, retired firefighter, reliably. Uh, yeah, they don't. They shouldn't get a felony. Just make any old excuse to uh, come out here and and justify the terroristic conduct of these young uh, black teens uh, at school. Another example of black male privilege, I guess, uh, with the hate crime. Incidentally, this reminded me. I Gruber who is in the same state as retired firefighter that was one she had a number of points that I thought were really important but that was a big one I think that was the one that sealed the deal I was like oh yeah I need to have a copy of this book in my uh, library she said that that was one of the last points that I got before she departed she said all those exactly what retired firefighter just said you had a whole lot of black people James Byrd Jr. You had a whole lot of black people who fought, protested, and all the rest of it to get hate crime laws passed so they could put Matthew Shepard's name on it, and then gay rights change and everything. Got that two times today. And then I agree with said the people disproportionately charged with hate crimes, the privileged black male. And I said when she was on the program, I said, for real, for real? And she said, for real, for real. She said exactly what he just said. They just wait. Black person. And she said, hey, it could be a black person. They can get into a fight with a non-black, non-white person, so-called Hispanic. And, you know, get in there. Oh, I'll show you. Oh, Pedro, get on across the border. Whammo, hate crime. Take exactly what he just said. It could be a white person. Cracker, get on, Henry. Whammo, hate crime. Wait a minute. That's not even. This is supposed to get. We're not going to tolerate it. And a felony? That's two weeks in a row. Young black males. Young black males with felonies. That's two weeks in a row. And it was all around workplace racism. Now, I don't even know what happened with this one. I have to look. You know, maybe we can add this as a bonus for tomorrow. But the one for last week, it was in, that was in Florida too, was it? I think that was in Florida too. My God, never going to Florida again. That was in Florida too. Uh, Corey Pujols, black male, 27 years old at the Dunkin' Donuts, got called a nigger. He, whammo! Papa said white man. Uh, he could have got a hate yeah. crime too uh, if he had said anything, but whatever. Now he's a convicted felon for battery. Two years house arrest and three years probation. I don't know, you know what's going to happen with this case. Hopefully it'll get thrown out you know, so people will investigate or what have you and come to the same conclusion that retired firefighter did that you know this is absurd uh you know young people fight all the time and make bad decisions that's why they're minors uh to learn they're still maturing a felony jeez like uh and again playing around with sex the joke is on the offspring in a system of white supremacy it's very easy for things like this to happen Allen Iverson. I was just talking about him yesterday. I was going to bring him up today. Same thing almost happened to him. Doug Wilder had to rescue him. Children are known for making bad decisions, but I mean, man, do as best you can. 
We are in a system of racism, white supremacy, keeping your composure. Talk about that all the time and talk about that. Really, all the environments, workplace, school environment, keeping your composure. I don't know what happened with these young folks, but man, if it ended in all this, it would seem like somebody might have got upset at some point. Maybe. Right. It, they, they, they say the incident didn't happen on the school campus, but it was a recreation center that was in short walking distance of the school where this were these quote unquote black males the way they described it and I'm familiar with it with the uh with the the fashion of racism down here uh is that it made it seem like the these these children went on a went on a rampage and they they were saying that uh this is for this is this is on the behalf of brown brown people. I'm not making this up. This is on behalf of brown people, and we're doing this for for uh, something about mistreating uh, people back in 1700. That is something that's something that you would that you can't imagine that a 13 year old black child would say now, especially at any time actually, but especially now, talking about something that took place in 1700. No. <laughs> You know, uh, I can see if it was something I can halfway see if it was something that they were talking about that just happened recently, like 24 hours ago, you know, something like that. But definitely nothing from those 1700. This is what the the only people you heard from, except for one black parent, is white people. The white parent, a white parent and 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 some official uh official uh, statements that came from uh the the school board in that area or the school itself it did nothing came from any significant number of black people at all so far yeah mm. have to get more details but very common um just try and Avoid confrontation. It's been saying a lot of that. Um, try as best you can. Uh, I don't know the details about, you know, what happened and all the rest of it. But uh, black people, black males in particular, they do put lots of hate crimes on black males. And particularly if anything they say is said and just going to pay back and that's so. Uh, just have to try as best we can make sure children are more informed about the environment in which we live and how easy it is for white people to whew, charges immediately. You're already you already have raping tendencies, so doesn't take a whole lot. Felony like maybe just talking about that a couple days ago. Being a fa imagine that. Being a felon at twenty or younger. And you gotta have that on not just a hate crime for I mean, yeah, well, I'll be able to get some more details and we'll chat it up uh, tomorrow uh, once I've uh, got some more details. Um, other folks who are with us, if you all have comments that you want to make sure you get in for neutralizing workplace racism, the number is 720-716-7300, the code 564-9400. Press star six one 
if you would like to participate. Uh, any folks that we missed totally, uh, if you have commentary you want to share before we wrap things up, proceed. Jeff, may I say something since nobody chimed in? Uh, Bay Area Mom, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, so just um, on children observing, um, I have a fifth grader, Filipino, probably. Um, <laughs> he told, well, I just found out that he's um, on my um, supervisor's case. So he was telling um they play a lot around with these kids. So there's a uh, the the teachers assisted in this particular class with a little boy that overeats with the uh, lunch. Um, that's not on my supervisor's case that they gave me anyway. She uh, jives around. She messes around with the kids all the time. She's always make playing jokes and games. Like even when we're doing math uh, stuff, she'll give the wrong answer. It's it's so confusing. So uh, she told the little boy that I don't like him. I guess she was just because he totally enjoys my presence. So she's like, he doesn't, she doesn't like you. And then um, she's like, yes, she does. She's like, he's like, do you like her? She's like, no, I don't. She's nice. She's so sweet and nice. She's wonderful. Why do you don't like her? I don't have to like her because she's nice. You're just jealous of her. That's why you're just jealous. So he came over to me and said, don't listen to her. She's jealous of you. She's just jealous of you. And I said, oh, thank you. And then um, she's like, why would I be jealous? And then she's like, you're just jealous because she's so much sweeter than you. And then he he told me, you know what else? She's jealous of our teacher, too. Because the teacher's a Caucasian male who had just got back uh, this week. He's been out since school started because the pandemic. The kids came back with COVID so um, from Christmas break. So the little boy said, you know what else? She's jealous of the teacher. Yeah, she's jealous of the teacher because she's just an aide. She's just jealous because she has no power. So she's jealous of him. She's jealous. Don't listen to her. And she lies a lot, too. You can't even trust So that's all I wanted to add. They do observe a lot of stuff. And he sat there. He used to be real quiet. But now he talks, and while he was sitting there, I guess, observing, he's noticed a lot of little things. And um, she's just an aide. So he told one of the substitute teachers, who's actually the head teacher, she must have told him, he told her, why are you doing this? Why don't you get your credentials and get yourself together and get become a real teacher instead of doing this? So I'll, uh, I'll meet my line. Thank you. From the mouths of babes in the Bible. My goodness. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, it's almost a resurrection. I don't do, man, I don't do any holidays. I don't do uh, the resurrection of white Jesus. I don't do white Jesus' birthday. I don't do Super Bowl. Today is National Sleep Day. I don't do Kwanzaa. I don't even do my birthday. 
I am in for National Sleep Day and you should be too. Everybody should go to bed early. Like that's how you celebrate National Sleep Day. You make sure you get adequate rest today. National Sleep Day. Z's. It's not even Horaz. Z's. We should have a little sound clip of the little uh, little child young lady says, I'm sleepy. Me too. We're all going to bed early today. National Sleep Day. All of that said, um, jelly. We've talked about that. Vindictive, jealous, white women in the workplace. We have talked about this for years and years and years. That is pitiful. If that's the conclusion that the young child has come through, come to. She's jelly. That's all. Mad because she's a mad because she's mean, old, spiteful, bitter. She's jelly. That's all. Jelly about the teacher. Jelly about the age. You're just jelly. <laughs> like, man. That's, Dr. Wilson said that. Like, generally, these young people, they would be geniuses. Brain computer would just be rolling around. Right but we just started lying to. And principally, the biggest lie, exactly the book that we're reading right now, Ellie Mae Washington Williams. Dear Senator, we start lying to the children. And I grew up there, oh, okay, this is my mom, and this is my dad, and we're in a democracy, and oh, okay, and then wait, 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 wait a minute, you, oh, that's, that's not my, wait a minute, that, that's not dad, and oh, that's not mom, oh, okay, okay. And then they don't tell you about a rating, that just, man, everything, but if you just get accurate information, you don't have people lying to you, and then calling you a liar, and a loser, and you blew it, and all the rest of it, oh, yeah. My brain computer works. My eyeballs work. I see what's happening in front of me. That's why I know you jelly. That is it. And that's that's who the students who need the most help. That's who we get stuck with. Disgraceful. Uh, let's see other folks who commentary they want to make sure they get in I guess make sure I get in as well we'll be here tomorrow compensatory calling 9pm eastern 6pm pacific we'll catch up on what's gone down the last 7 days some of which includes uh, the mental health impact of the last 2 years I guess Uh, we'll catch up on all of that uh, tomorrow and then we should be here for um, global sunday talk on racism this Sunday uh, we'll check in with some of our folks across the pond get it'll be interesting to kind of see their perspective on the whole Ukraine thing and you know how they're if any of the migrants have been coming to their area what they've been seeing about how all of that is being reported and all the rest of it from folks who are uh, in a different spot on the globe so that'll be Sunday uh, irregular time 3 p.m. Eastern 2 p.m. Central 12 p.m. Pacific uh, this is, in fact, the short window twice per year when it is only a seven hour time difference between Washington State and London. It's normally eight hours, but we do not move the clocks at the same time anymore. So and in fact, since we've been moving it 
uh, ahead earlier, the window has gotten even wider uh, for that short little period of time when it's only a seven hour time difference. Uh, so even that'll be interesting. I think last time around when we did this, uh, some of our participants, uh, they neglected the fact that the clocks had switched over here. And so it's no longer eight hour time difference. So I put it in bold face print. I underlined it. And that was the first thing that I said. We had a time difference. So hopefully everybody will remain aware that it's a little bit earlier but that'll be this uh, coming Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, 12 noon Pacific. Uh, other comments? Uh, folks need to get in. Uh, May I be heard? Uh, our caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to just the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I want to share some reports from the, well, really they are from like the last two weeks. Um, the first is, uh, the, <laughs> the, um, the wedding took place today, right? the white woman and the black male. So, you know, already a cowbell. So they, like, I think, well, in the meeting this morning, number one, like for our, our County, it went from high to medium for COVID-19. So I guess, uh, the white person in charge, the clerk said that we didn't have to wear a mask and I still have mine on. So, um, it was some tacky things said in the meeting. Uh, number one, he, he mentioned about, I guess, this wedding happening today at 430. Uh, and I don't think the white woman was really comfortable with <laughs> with the co-workers coming to her uh, wedding. And I seen one co-worker bringing a car in, I guess, to put chairs on it to uh, to go participate in it. So. I wanted to mention that because I didn't even, I wasn't even in the office at the time to even participate. So, um, obviously I'm thinking there's some issues going on and I was making comments like she didn't look happy in the face and stuff like that. You know, I guess gossiping or whatever. Um, the next, the next, uh, tacky, I thought it was tacky. Um, the person I call the warden, she's down to 30 days after 36 years. Um, so I'm thinking to go back. She started in 1985. So 85 to 2002. So she has come from, uh, I think a more ra openly racist, um, clerk. So from that era, and it's a few other white women left from that era too. Uh, but yeah. So he asked her, did she have anything to share? And she's like, no, I don't have anything except for <laughs> I only have 30 days left. So a lot of the other white women, obviously people in the clique kind of sitting in that corner area and some all over the meeting area actually, you know, applauded what she said. Uh, 
and I looked at his face and he didn't seem too happy. So, um, and I want to segue into my next one where she, uh, let's see, the warden sent out an office wide email saying that after two years, a position has reopened, you know, from like 2020. So that's about two years. So, this person that used to work in the courthouse um, from 2007 till 2013, she moved up to work under a judge from 2013 till 2022. And she said that this is a new employee and she's going to be starting as an administrative executive or assistant, something like that. So, I'm suspecting a lot of people were heated about this, like angry about this because it's obviously um, a white nepotism, white supremacy being practiced because number one, she was appointed this position and didn't have to apply because they practice racism by, for instance, they had a, uh, a supervisor position open and they made that open for application whereas two other people were appointed positions. And, of course, for the most part, they're white. And this um, white woman, she left and wasn't satisfied with the courthouse, okay, and got paid more money as a JA, judicial assistant. Nine years later, she's appointed a job, okay, and the warden's daughter is her best friend. All right, so I'm hearing that it was even white people upset about this. Um, so I wanted to say that because that was something that she could have talked about in the meeting, but I think the uh, the boss over her, I guess, you know, talked to her about that or whatever. But I wanted to point that out because that's obvious, you know, racism, nepotism there. Like her daughter knows this uh, white woman. So she obviously going to hold on high regard. Um, there was a conversation where I was uh, about to take the mail out and a white woman upstairs, you know, Confederate flag, uh, on a, on a, you know, Confederate flag car tag. At least, you know, that's the car that her and her husband has. And she was just <laughs> talking about, because she's she a Georgia Bulldog fan. You know, they won a national championship and everything. So I'm just heading on out. And then I couldn't remember how it got to it because she liked talking about Georgia so much. Um, and then I mentioned, well, Florida has nice weather or something like that. And then so, because, yeah, you know, I like uh, I like the Florida cracker. I'm a Florida cracker. So I say, well, I said, that's your business or something like that, I said. So, I mean, I've heard her call herself a redneck and a cracker. So I just kept on walking or whatever. But this person seemed to be well-versed in history and learning and saying those kind of terms or whatever. But she wasn't afraid of saying it, you know, or anything. And she's in a high position in the court, the court administration. 
on the top floor. So, yeah, um, the, you know, the Confederate flags, things like that. She's uh, one of those kind of white supremacist females. Um, let's see. And the last one that I have is that the black female that had just recently started uh, in, in the, uh, the civil area, actually the black female supervisor, her, her father passed away. So she's been out two weeks. So the timing of this is, is interesting because since she started, she was only there for like maybe five to seven days. And she's been gone. Her her seat has been empty. So people are like, where is she? And then I guess come to find out she quit. I'm thinking it's because of the racist clique, the warden's racist clique, white women. She must have found out, you know, the kind of behavior that they display and how they talk about people. And uh, they operate as a gang. So uh, I wanted to mention actually one more thing. Uh, the supervisor position went to a white person in the other courthouse and uh two white women of course I, uh that usually do the unjust network and that's a part of the group they mentioned that well one of them mentioned that she applied and now she's a supervisor already so she wanted to apply for another supervisor position and she said the reason she was doing this is to give the white, the white male, a chance under her, because he's been trying to apply for a supervisor position, but he couldn't get it because he he's extremely unprofessional and doesn't know how to talk to people and things like that. So he's constantly been getting into trouble, yet he still has a job. So more racism there. But yeah, she wanted to, as a white woman, apply for another position to get him to move into her position. So, yeah, she actually came out and admitted it. So um, racism, white supremacy being practiced. And uh, that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Hmm. Much obliged, uh, caller in Florida. That's what people say about me. I'm unprofessional and don't know how to talk to people like uh I'm uh, not still held in high regard. They don't uh, go out to actively still support Auguste. Uh, let's see the the wedding tackiness. Like I don't even. I guess I haven't worked in an environment where someone could also have a wedding at this facility, or would even want to have a wedding at this facility. Um, I would not want to go to any coworker's wedding, like. Especially a tragic event, like oh my god, heck, I'm cool, I'm cool. Like uh, I can empathize with saying like I don't know if I want my coworkers at the wedding. Like ditto, I don't know if I need to be here. I'm gonna go outside or find an errand to run or go sit in the bathroom for a little while or something. Then it's not just I gotta sit through all this and anyone sees why these two should not be united. Do I dare stand up? and say that this is maximum racist aggression <laughs> I have to wrestle with that or I can sit and look at all the tackiness that this she doesn't look happy I bet he's been beating her do you think like what in the world like oh 
let's yeah i'm i'm cool y'all do whatever you want to go i can't uh hang out yet yeah, bless yes the groom and yeah right on good luck and good luck brother <laughs> i can't do it i couldn't hang out at all like i don't want to sign the card like just let me know it's done uh the white woman she's been there from 1985 to 2022 like wow that is a lot of generations of white terrorism like I don't even know what to say I mean wow that's like uh, I don't even the, the Dr. King holiday she probably saw like yeah that's amazing um, yeah I'm sure the white women there like they will go all in for those type of retirements like oh we need to shut the whole courthouse down and everybody is mandatory you are going to contribute $500 so that we can get her a gold bracelet and a plaque and you know all kinds of party festivities and all the rest of it they will lose their mind when it's time for her to sail off and I mean a white woman in Florida rural Florida at that and you've been at the courthouse for 30 years like wow you were probably there when she installed she was probably there when they installed the panic button saw the first nigger get wrestled and shackled and thrown out of here after it was used like uh, let's see oh the nepotism now Colin Ohio talked about now they will come out and say oh we diversity inclusion yes we have hired 500 negroes just this year we've uh, also fired uh, 499 of them but uh, oh he stole some power we have fired 500 of them <laughs> uh, and it looks like we just got a brand new position that has been appointed we didn't even advertise it and it's going to Stacy who happens to be just homies with the warden's daughter but that's just a coincidence it doesn't mean that she wasn't qualified and you know what's the problem now he said incidentally even some white people were upset about this now that's when you really gotta Wow, this is not just Al Sharpton kicking up dust and making a stink. No count Negroes weren't even qualified. Like, wow, it seems even some white people felt there was something incorrect about this. Like, hey, I'm a qualified white woman. I'm a qualified white man. I think I could have got this position. You're not even going to let us know. No competition. What they call it, fair play and you're just going to give it to your homies no count friend that sort of thing is rampant they'll come back and wag their finger in our face and talk about oh, you need personal responsibility and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just begging an affirmative action man there is no affirmative action like being classified as white like we'll assume that homie he said she left and went out I'm gonna make some more money and do my thing well dang why do you get an advantage over all of us who stayed here and we've been dutiful civil servants you want to go out go for self get your money be selfish now you get to come back and jump to the head of the line we don't even have open round of competition no interview for you to go and mess up and start talking about racism and sexism nope appointment and all that meet our newest member of the team now, it'll be interesting now does she just get welcomed into the clique we just let bygones be bygones and you know this is water under it happen you know we'll just try to make the best of it and not do this in the future or is she going to be like permanently hmm. 
we got this old mud shark over here who just married one of the brothers. Why don't you go hang out with her? <laughs> we'll have to wait for the update, see how it goes. Uh, let's see. The white woman uh, in the executive brand. Now, again, you know, no problem with uh, patriarchy, white women there running the whole courthouse, it seems. He said the white woman in the executive level. Would you, I'm sorry? No, I just wanted to echo that, too. White white women get dominant. Ron DeSantis better hope he has those white women in check for 2024. Uh, he says the executive white woman, she comes in, hey, I love it. I just saw, in fact, she wasn't a white woman, but I did just see uh, a black female, uh, like 90 minutes before we went live, she had her Georgia Bulldogs paraphernalia on. She was so proud. National champions. Uh, so she's going to come and brag, go Bulldogs and all that, and I love it down here too. Now, I love me a cracker. I'm a Florida crack now. All of that, that's where I would throw it right back, the uh, Neely. Hmm. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, good seeing you, Jane. We will talk soon. Like, I don't know why you're telling me all that. And same thing he said, like, hey, you make a lot more money than me. I'm down in the segregated section. I can't even dream of getting up in the executive branch. I assume you are not ignorant about any of that. The Confederate flag, Florida Cracker, Georgia Bulldogs. You know all of that. And again, now that's another one. Now, why are you telling me your pride about being a Florida cracker? Do you go and tell all the black? Do you, in fact, do you tell the other white people here? Do you bring that up when you're talking to them? Like, man, I am a Florida cracker. And what does that conversation sound like if you do? They, me too? Or is this one like, because I'm of the opinion white people would do this. This is right up there with the, uh, uh, black slang that we already had before like nah that type of thing and don't break it down which, no, that type of thing that they'll do in a work environment where they don't talk that way to other uh, white people like really are you waiting for the black people to come and then do your Florida cracker thing and all that hmm alrighty I will just be alert as you roll um, the tech now that sort of thing we got Florida crackers and all the rest of it people making snide remarks uh, about the white woman who's got a black uh, husband now and uh, all of the toxic toxic gossiping and text messages and everything and then you have someone who just up and leave and what happened to Becky do you know what when she quit what oh my lord when did she quit hmm now why that sort of thing should be now that's stop and pause like whoa this is not McDonald's You've been slaving over the chicken nuggets for the past month and can't get a raise and all the rest of it. And they're ready to beat you if you steal a French fry. This is the courthouse. How in the world do we have people who just you got uh, the white women? She's been there for 35 years, basically. How do you have people that just quit? Don't even say a word, just gone. We don't know if she got the Rona or anything. That is the toxicity of white supremacy race. Like that sort of thing should be immediate. Like, whoa, let's evaluate what's going on. Like, I mean, how disruptive is that to a work environment? Just have people again, 
Not, you know, just go get somebody. We can go snatch anybody, you know. Put those chicken nuggets in. Wait for the beat. This is the courthouse. It's kind of, you can't just grab anybody to work at the courthouse, I don't think. Those archives are important. These gusty, that's important. <laughs> Going there, get your deed, property, all that. That's important. Why we need to get this problem solved immediately. Uh, let's see. Uh, now, I thought that was important. Now, that is true. People do regularly. Dusty is unprofessional and he does not know how to talk to people. They do not follow that with those things are true. But, you know, I think if we work with that old coon, he could be outstanding. I see potential in him. They don't say that. How in the world do you have a white man at the courthouse? Again, this is not McDonald's, right? I don't know. He's been a little suspect on, you know, the chicken nuggets. Maybe we can move him up front. I think he'll get it. You know, I'm going to give him a chat. We're going to put him on the front register. This is the courthouse. He has a reputation for being unprofessional and not knowing how to talk to people. And this sounds like supervisor material to you. We want to put him in charge of a staff, give him some subordinates. That's what I mean. Like there's no welfare like the system of white supremacy. And he's continually trying. If you are a white man, really, if you're a white man or a white woman in the system of white supremacy, and you can't get it together, you are lame. You could go be a lame Fredo on the team and just get a few crumbs, practice racism, and miss, mess over the black people. You could do that. Easy. You're a lame white man and you can't even get a supervisor job. Keep getting shot down. Miss it every time. People feel so bad for you. The only reason that I'm trying for this job is to get this lame white man a job. What in the world? They don't have any qualified black people there who actually could do this. Ju- nah, 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 nah. Feel sorry for old Jake. Unprofessional Jake who doesn't know how to talk to people. Why don't you get him some training? Like as opposed to let's get him and let's get him some training first and see if he actually can correct some of these issues. And then we'll go cape for him again and see if we can get him that job this time around. Let's try it that way. Maybe. Do they do this for black people? Do they go over to the segregated area where the niggers are? Yeah, I see some potential in this coon here. We clean him up, get him a new suit. Hmm, think you could do something. Maybe this one. What do you think about her? You get her a little training. You know, I think, uh, yeah, you might be able to do it. No, I don't think at least I haven't seen that. I've seen this type of thing repeatedly. He said it was a what was it, it was a no count white woman this time. They, uh, he said that they. I think this might have been the same one. He can, he can let me know if my memory is corroding. Uh, he said it was a white woman got hired, and I think they had not. They had a staff vacancy for a what? Another one that's hey, you messing up efficiency at the courthouse here because we don't have adequate staff. Finally, hire this white woman. They gave excuses. We can't hire this nigger. She's not qualified. Get out of here. Can't be. This is not affirmative action. We'll just pick up some nigger just to give him a job. Then they bring in the white woman and say now. You know, she is going to need a little hand holding. What? 
Am I lying there? You <laughs> feel free to correct me. Did that happen? Yes, sir. Like, now that started when um, it was a, uh, the, the lead click member. It was one of her young white female friends. And she mentioned that on the first time when we discussed it, which it, which is correct, she used that metaphor, she's going to need a little hand-holding. And then I asked her about it again, and she says, well, I didn't want to start any more click, any more clicks like there was an existing one, right? She said the word click herself, and she a part of it too. Um, uh, and she said, well, she didn't get hired, and uh, but she didn't know that I knew she got hired. Not this is treacherous, like racist. So she is, she works under her click friend who got her the job at the cashier. Nah, is like that is white power right there. Um, and just one other thing I wanted to share about the white man and uh, his. On white woman supervisor, there's a black female that's also in the department. Now, this guy came back. Well, he left and went to the other courthouse and came back automatically into a assistant manager position. Now, she never left the area. The reason I want to I want to mention her is because she does the juvenile court. Okay, she goes up to court, and it's been reported to me by a victim that this white woman actually said, man, you know, I should go up and provide coverage for this, you know, f for the black female, but man, it's all right. So <laughs> she didn't even want to go up and, and help give her coverage in the courtroom, right? But the white guy who constantly gets into trouble, and this is the same one that said, oh, you wouldn't think this around a, a six-foot-tall, six-foot-six tall black guy. You know, and he said that if he were to run for president, he said this to a white woman. He said it would be mandatory that all women would have to wash the dishes. And then she just said, oh, yeah, whatever. But she, the same white woman, said that this is just ridiculous. He's been trying to become a supervisor, you know, for a long time. I'm going to write a, I'm going to write a letter for him. So she's still dedicated, even beyond, the, you know, her being a white woman, he being a white man, she's still about being white, a white cold. So, yeah, I wanted to add that in. Wow. Affirmative action, once again, you got that nepotism right there. All you need is a white homie. You don't have to be qualified. And I was valedictorian and got a 4.0 GPA. And I, eh. My friend works up there. I'm cool. They'll, you know, I'm going to coast for about the first six months till I figure out what I'm doing. And, you know, it'll be fine. Not even worried about it. Get some black person to do my work for me. I mean, what about the black female? Is she qualified? Is she an idiot too? Does she, what do they say about it? Is she unprofessional? Doesn't know how to talk to people too? Why can't she look out for her? Like, hey, she's been working here. She didn't ditch us. Go to the other courthouse. She's been hanging out. Let me hang out. You know, I'm going to write her a lot of recommendations. I think she could do it. She's got potential. Nah, I'm going to hang. At minimum, she's not a sexist, right? She's not rocking around here. To, hey, if they elect me, 
oh, you chicks are going to be washing dishes. Like, she's not walking around saying that at least. Nah. I'm stick up for this white man. That's the sort of environment that we're with. That's what I say all the time. Like, you know, if you're there and working hard and all that, don't think just because I'm, I'm, I'm competent. I work hard. People see me and I'm dedicated. You know, I've been working here three years, four years, five years. So what? You're a negra. Even if you do get the promotion, you're still a negra. White person that's totally incompetent, doesn't even know how to spell their job title will get more courtesy than you. That is the environment that we have. Even that's odd too, because I had been saying that, that this here system, you have lots of lame white dudes. I mean, wow, where everyone has to literally bend over backwards to boost up these lame white dudes. That is the system that we have. Affirmative action. Much obliged. Uh, caller at the courthouse. Man. Any, folks can write that one down and let us know because I'm sure other people have seen this. Some lame white person, probably a white man, but lame white person in a job where they just keep giving them opportunities and keep giving them opportunities and oh he didn't get what's tracking county you know everybody knows this person is not qualified but they're white that's all the qualification that you need any uh other comments folks need to make sure they get in We'll assume folks are satisfied. We'll be ready to roll uh, tomorrow for the compensatory call in white people permitting. Um, man, I went to the University of Washington's library today for the first time uh, since the whole COVID situation because the campus was shut down for quite a long time uh, during all of this and then it slowly opened back up and then it took me a while to actually go back over there. But wow. Um, Having been a few years since I'd been there, just wow, the resources uh, that they have, uh, that they had, period, that they've had the whole time. And then they've even picked up a few more since then. But uh, because of the book that we're now reading, Essie Mae Washington Williams, Dear Senator, uh, I think the metaphor that was used, our call in Ohio, he said it took off like a rocket. Uh, I too said, wow, this is a really good book. I hope the rest of it is this good. She talked about the lynching of Zachariah Walker uh, in 1911 in Pennsylvania, not the deep south. In fact, close to Philadelphia. So I went to do research uh, because they have whole books that are just about this one lynching of Zachariah Walker. So I went to get that book uh, and they had uh, lots of books also on Strom Thurmond, obviously. So I went to get some of those as well because they had lots of really, really juicy information. I'm so excited. But while I was in the process of getting these two books, I was up there and I've been to this library like many, many times like I was going to this library before the cows even existed uh, so no and I know even though they did have a few new items like one or two I didn't go anywhere 
in the library that I had not been like bunches and bunches and but like more times that I could even count. Uh, so I'm going through, going to get my books and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I'm almost close to where the Zachariah Walker book is. And I'm looking on the bookshelf that I've seen bunches of times. And I'm like, wow, they have a whole lynching section. So I kind of pull back and I'm looking and I mean, it's every single book on the shelf. Like I didn't, maybe they've always had a lynching section, but it just hadn't really made an impact before. I'm not sure if they did have a lynching section. I mean, it's not titled lynching section. It's the Dewey Decimal System. It's like HV6462 something through whatever. But I mean, it's the lynching section. It's just lynching, 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 lynching. It was so many but I couldn't even take a picture of all the books it was so many lynching books all about black people it wasn't that nonsense where they veer off lynching Asian people and the lynching of uh, uh, what is it uh, Julie Frank Leo Frank that's it the lynching of Leo Frank and Jews were lynched in Italian. it was all nigger lynchings and Zachariah Walker and blood at the root Patrick Phillips he was a guest on the program uh, at the hands of people and it was all lynchings of negros and it was more books than I could even take one photo I had to take several uh, photographs and put them there and even then that was just a sample It left an impact. You can see some of the pictures uh, of the books. Uh, I posted them via social media. Hopefully, as I said, when you look at those book titles, see how many of these books have I heard? Now, if you've been listening to the cows, some of them, Patrick Phillip, Blood at the Root, at minimum, if you haven't read the book, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Maybe I heard that author, too. At the hands of persons unknown, like, oh, yeah, maybe I didn't read the book, but I at least heard that author. See how many of those books you know, how many of them you don't know at all. Some of them actually do have like, you know, specific because they are. It'll be a whole book about one specific lynching, like the one that I got about Zachariah Walker. How many of these specific lynchings do you even know about? Because, I mean, it's thousands of them. So, you know, how could you know them all? But something to think about whole section at the library, aviation astrophysics geometry lynching negras sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy in addition to being sober reading is more important than watching television I dare anybody now you grab any of those books from the lynching section. I think that's one you can reach at random. I got to uh, see if I can maybe get my browser before we go out to pull up the book title uh, of the, the book I was looking at earlier today that I'd never even heard of. Grab one of those at random and tell me which one of those you think is lame in comparison to whatever is on Netflix. In addition to being sober, this is not the time for random confrontations with strangers uh, if someone is being loud rowdy in public exit you don't know if they're armed you don't know if they have an entire armed entourage if you didn't leave your residence prepare to kill and or die exit if you're in a vehicle you're sober buckled not on the cell phone 
doing the small things that we can to avoid being Zachariah Walker. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. One of the books in the lynching section that I had never heard of white man's heaven, the lynching and expulsion of blacks in the Southern Ozarks, 1894 to 1909 written by a white woman. I had never even heard of that one. That's a beautiful one for the contrast because people were writing me like, oh man, have you seen Ozarks on Netflix? Have you seen Ozarks? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. So watch Ozarks on Netflix. I think that's like three, four seasons, right? Drug selling white family. Watch Ozarks on Netflix or read White Man's Heaven, the lynching and expulsion of blacks in the Southern Ozarks 1894 to 1909 written by Kimberly Harper a white woman gonna see if we can get her on the program that's where I started at white guests only white guests only Cal signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed I'm a victim no brother problem. you're a victim right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.